Yeah, but it's actually really lovely. It's also amazing because Dave called it, which is in a stunning, a stunning <laughs> prediction. An incredible prediction. You know, to be fair to me, I didn't shoot it down, Dave. I gave it 10%. No, no, I, I said to Josh Fred, I was like, as when Chono came out, I'm like, Jeff, what are the chances Chono's mood is last match? Like, and then Josh wrote back 10%. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 10%. It was yeah. the 10%. Because uh, Carney's got a Carney. You yeah. just oh, we, the world lost one of the true <laughs> the great carnies of wrestling is left. It's a real sad day. Oh, have we? Yeah. Well, the rumors going around. There's a thing on Twitter on Tokyo Sports saying that maybe Chono wants his heat a retirement match, and maybe Muto will come out of retirement to have Chono's official last match. It's just oh, they're the best. They're so good. They're the best. I feel like this is the sort of show that's going to prove what we've said all along. Like so much of wrestling discourse is tribalistic bullshit about people trying to like getting super defensive about their promotion and not wanting their promote whatever you know it's it's ridiculous in the sense that it's so reductionist and it's just there's no thought beyond oh my team go bang your team go boom like it's just it's ridiculous and and there's no level of critical engagement right and we are being have been constantly trying to to rally against that by consideration of talking about the value of the pro wrestler and how we love new Japan because of the platform it provides for pro wrestlers that we like to get to tell the stories that they like to tell. What we're seeing now is allowing us to perhaps the opportunity to say, well, we can destroy those tribalistic constraints within the context of Japanese wrestling, because we started out as a, you know, a new Japan pro wrestling podcast, but ultimately we're like a new Japan pro wrestler. Uh, podcast if that makes sense and that we're following the stories of the new japan pro wrestlers and that then when they're engaging in places like Noah and they're moving across it it allows us to follow them into those spaces and to be able to talk about how great noah's production was how great the show was Mm -hmm. how this was different how they presented them different how that's like and not feel like we're in any way diminishing our engagement and passion and 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 appreciation for what new japan has done but yeah. recognizing that there's a big world out there of pro wrestling and it can only further the characters in the way they engage. And I think that I feel like that is what new Japan has become. And, and people that are, that are isolationist or that are tribalistic or that, that pick a side, I think are ultimately hampering their enjoyment of their pro wrestler, you know, and of, of what pro wrestling can be. And they're saying they could only be in this one place and they want those people to be in the places. Like, what could this person be like in AW? It's like, I don't, I don't really care. If they can do a shot in AW, great. But like they'll always come back to these other places. Like they don't have to be, don't we don't want everyone to hold all the toys in the one toy box because that ultimately just leads to stagnation. And I think that yeah, well, New Japan felt that. Leads to not being able to see all the toys. Yeah. And also the don't forget the mold that builds on the toys. <laughs> That's right. It's a, it's you. You will not get to see them. And we talked about the issue of where New Japan is, and they're like, let them go, let them go out and do their stuff in other places, and let them get experience and let them showcase, and then build them up through your story when you need them. To me, that's what you need to do, rather than try to create more brands under your umbrella. Yes, it's Tamashi's great. We love Tamashi, but what I love about Tamashi is that it's also connected to PWA and MCW in the sense that. PWA yeah. angles 
Tamashi angles can exist there and vice versa. Um, and I think they need to do more of that and they are showing a commitment to do more of that. And I am fully in support of that. And I think that as a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, we have to be mindful that I don't think we'll ever be like a, a puro podcast that has all this great information about every fucking promotion. But what I can tell is that I think that we will be keen to follow stories that are tangentially linked to our favorite pro wrestlers that exist in New Japan Pro Wrestling that are existing in other promotions and how that can tell. Like, I want to follow Kiyomiya because I want to know where Kiyomiya is developing so that he will eventually relate to Okada. I don't need to see Kiyomiya wrestling New Japan Pro Wrestlers to understand that he is engaged in a long-form story that will connect him back up to the ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that's what I feel like is ultimately the admission of, yeah, I'm selfish. I like New Japan stories. I like the way they they book and the way they tell those things. But I'm keen to follow other guys as how they relate to those things. And I just think that that's kind of what we're ultimately trying to encourage people to do. Same thing for stardom. Same, it's, it's the same thing for all of this. The whole discussion we've had tonight is about recognizing this. I'm not here to say like all wrestling. I don't want to be one of those fucking people. But like what you like and invest in the things that you find interesting. And if those things take you across the world of pro wrestling, awesome. And if they can connect back to the thing you actually like and like you really invested in, which is what we're getting, like we are eating so well. We are getting the best stuff this this first part of the year. It is so good and we're talking about Noah and all japan and fucking dragon gate and we're talking about stardom and tokyo Joshi. we're talking about all this stuff in the context of a new japan story that's yeah. that's getting your cake and eating it too like how lucky are we and i hope that Noah fans are you know i know it's a tough day today but i'm hopeful that they're mindful of how this can connect there and build their brand and maybe it's their relationship with all japan and how that will build them and that's to yeah. see those shoots at this point to me is is a really encouraging thing. So I, you know, we may go for 47 hours on a podcast because there's that much shit happening in Japanese pro wrestling. But to me, it's just it's it's something I think we need to note that we're we're achieving what I think we started to do when we started this whole thing, you know. Well, I just hope that all Noah fans bow down and just accept <laughs> New Japan as the ultimate company. Oh, in Jesus the- Christ, here we go. Yep. Nice <laughs> <Brilliant. laughs> one. Because Noah was a no-shower. <laughs> and just like Rome fell, we saw Noah fall on the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> just like the car park of Caesar's Palace. Don't know where I'm going with this one. Just thought I'd read it to the intro. <laughs> and bro, it's about to get great. Because we just saw one of the greatest pay-per-views in the history of man. Put on by Noah. We are pro wrestling Noah. <laughs> what? What are we? We are. We so, we've dumped them. We've, we've moved quickly. <laughs> we are a podcast about Japanese wrestling as a community, like an arc, if you would. <laughs> of every wrestler. Come and join them, like Moses said to Aphrodite. Come aboard with us. Let us go on this stellar quest as you are right now with us on the love bus, (laughs) Daddy.
I hope you are having a magical day, a fantastic lunch. And just remember, if you're in a car listening to us right now and someone cuts you off, I want you to whisper at that car, fuck your era. <laughs> fuck your era. And fuck California. <laughs> I'm trying to tie everything. You're tying you're everything. Great, you're doing a great job. It's all tying in. Because this might be the battle of the voices, but we saw the battle in the valley. <laughs> we saw a mad king kill a sword with a lot of saliva. We saw a llama kill an old man and then get thrown out of the ring by that old man. We saw history, just like you're seeing and just like you're hearing history. Is that a spitting llama reference to Night Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because we aren't fans of music like you two. Fuck Bono. We love Chono. Yes, we do. <laughs> and we know that there's more than just you two out there. <laughs> we have. <laughs> <laughs> because as I always say, just when you thought we were done, we are here for fun. Because it's about to get bumpy. So I hope you don't feel slumpy. Because you have one hell of a dumpy, girl. <laughs> so park that dump truck close to us and let us lie on top of you like Chono did Muta. And hug your ears from behind, from the front. Because we are not going to hit a bunt because the Tokyo Dome is a baseball field as well. A baseball reference, <laughs> and just like a no hitter, this show is a not a no. This show is not a <laughs> because as always, because as always, there's been four intermissions in this intro. We have intermissions coming, <laughs> and we're back because just when you thought we were done, it's time for fun. I am. The Dracula of vernacular. No one's sticking. I am the ravishing red rude. I've got to work on the ravishing part. I'm not happy about the ravishing part, but I'll stick it anyway because people know it. And what do people know? They know wrestling. That's why we do callbacks. That's why I do my intros and I say the same things every single show. It's history, baby. Yep. And I am joined as always over yonder by the hair care devastator. <laughs> The germ of perms. He is, <laughs> he is our own personal Edward Scissorhands, directed by Tim Burton. He is Dr. Dave Rudin. Uh, thank you very much, Red. <laughs> this might be my favourite all-time intro. I'm loving it. Yeah. Hi, everyone. And as always, he is our great mooder behind the computer. <laughs> oh my god because he's booking it all he is making the magic happen he is julius josh crook cry oh thank you red thank you red that is four, 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 four. life yes that is an iconic intro Nearly as long as the show. <laughs> Get ready, people. <laughs> you buckle up. Uh, it's it's going to be a big one. All right, let's start the show. 
Yeah, so it has been, as I was talking on Twitter, at we work stiff on Twitter, it has been a, uh, it's a massive week uh, in New Japan. And to be fair, you know, broader Japanese pro wrestling. And it feels like this is kind of like the, we've hit the standard now. This is just what it's going to be like from moving forward. Like we've been in the pandemic sort of era for the, the last three years. And now we're coming out of it with a bang. And it's just a run. We're on a heater right now in terms of um, just, you know, everything's sort of kicking goals. So, I and it's like, oh, we've got a bit of downtime. Oh, great, we've got a bit of downtime for this. And like, okay, fantastic, mania. That's your normal time. We get to have a little break. It'll be nice. But we're straight into the, uh, the you know, the All-Star Junior Festival, and then we're into the Cup, and then we're off and running again. So we'll enjoy the two-week downtime uh, when we can get it. But ultimately, uh, yeah, this past week has been uh, nuts, absolutely nuts. Uh, we're going to do our best to try to cover everything that's happening in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I think things will slip through the cracks and we'll probably have to talk to them on our Discord or on Twitter uh, because there's just so much news coming out every day now. But we do have sort of two big <clears throat> shows to talk about and I think there's a lot of news coming um, out of both of those shows, so much so that many huge stories have sort of been almost forgotten by this point. Um, but we'll do our best to cover them. We'll have to get to that because we are actually having technical difficulties, which we apologize about. Um, I can't hear you guys right now. The audio is terrible. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the picture right now, guys. I'm really sorry to everyone who's listening to the show. Uh, I know you paid for it. Uh, I know we're a free podcast, so why are you paying for it? I, I don't actually understand that, but we are having technical difficulties. Uh, Red, that is the fans of our show will be used to that. They've got no fear with technical difficulties. <laughs> They've become accustomed to this. Yeah, that's where we obviously have to start. Battle in the Valley was last uh, weekend. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, a success in terms of the ticket sales, and I'm assuming it was it was quite a big investment in terms of pay-per-view buys. And uh, in the lead-up, everybody that's been following New Japan um, of America since the post-Access TV days, since they've gone to this fight TV model through the strong period, everyone was concerned about... For good reason, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Will this do what every fight TV show has done in New Japan's history thus far? And that is fuck up royally. Uh, they New Japan would last at the last show that happened. New Japan had a, an issue. Um, everyone got you know their um, money back, and it was blamed on the the in house production crew they were using at the time. I mean, there has literally been every kind of issue. We've had no sound at the um, uh, the Hollywood one at the at the uh, Rose Bowl one. It's been a it's been a running uh, it's been a running battle between fight and uh, the New Japan Pro Wrestling consumer. Um, I know they've given you know certain refunds. They're giving credits. They're doing a bunch of stuff um, with this with this show because obviously it was held up. But it was obviously once it started, it was available live. Whatever. Um, the, we knew there was issues from the get go because we couldn't hear anything happening. Meanwhile, the Japanese feed was that. It is what it is. It was shit. Um, and it was, you know, expected. But they brought their TV Asahi crew because last time Fight TV threw New Japan under the bus saying it was the in-house production that was the reason for the issue. But this time New Japan brought the TV Asahi production crew over and it's still fucked up. Um, it's an insane thing that we're at this point. It's a height of embarrassment. Uh, it's classic. I don't know what needs to happen. I made the joke that the CEO of New Japan, who's just in there, uh, Monet is their CEO. She needs to start firing people. 
because uh, it's gotten to that point where obviously um, everything else is at the point where they're, you know, they're trying to make these expansion moves and they're trying to, you know, get an imprint into the West and their partner, for whatever reason, I don't care if it's Fight's fault, I don't care if it's New Japan's fault, I don't care whose fault it is. Ultimately, it's it's a common denominator. New Japan, when they used to run these shows in the US, when they didn't have Fight, when they are running through Access, uh, didn't have any issues. They go to Fight, they have issues. So I feel like there's there might be a common denominator in this issue. Um, and for whatever reason, it is what it is. Um, it needs to be addressed, obviously, because yeah, can you imagine? Could you imagine a, a show in Japan being held up forty five minutes for production issues? Oh, okay. Like it just wouldn't happen. Mm. It just would not happen. Put this way, it was great for the WeWork Stiff Twitter account. I was getting shots off left, right, and center. Um, it was a lot of fun there. I was, I was like, I, I had my Donovan Mitchell game. I was just crushing it. It was. Tremendous reference game, callbacks, you know, because I'm a veteran of many New Japan strong pay-per-views at this point. I was expecting it. I had my uh, my at Fight TV uh, support email ready to shoot off immediately because, you know, this is what you do when these things happen. Um, so it wasn't something that I wasn't, uh, <laughs> wasn't prepared for. I just love how prepared you were. Yeah, because I knew that was going to fuck up. I knew it. <laughs> What was worse was this time that they actually held it up so that the Japanese, uh, you know, New Japan World stream, which was not having any issues, again, how does that happen? Yeah. You know, like, well, that seems odd that the New Japan World streaming service seems to be able to stream fine. But when it goes to the fight, it's, it doesn't work, which is exactly what happened last time. Yet somehow it's New Japan's fault. I'm not exactly sure how. They need to get off a fight. I don't know what the deal is, wherever it is, they need to get off a fight. They've got the infrastructure. People are getting used to buying pay-per-views through New Japan World or buying it through a Beamer or through Wrestle Universe. They've got the infrastructure. They might as well start hosting it themselves, I think, at this point, because I think at this point, anyone there was a huge audience tuning in to see that, and they had to essentially watch silence and then a melting screen for 45 minutes you know yeah the melting screen was funny i was like well, is this just me or is it? and then yeah. there's pictures all over online like nah it's everyone yeah my wrestle kingdom 15 comparison i thought was just particularly was yeah. like, i was like <laughs> i was ready for it i was like yes that was a great tweet mate thank you but yeah so our our thoughts on uh fight tv new japan strong shitting the bed for the an- the umpteenth time. The conspiracy is real. There is another company out there that don't want them to succeed in America. <laughs> is this well, this is is this a callback to the ambulance issue? Yes. I mean that actually did happen. The the famous someone when New Japan was in New York at Hammerstein that time, um, someone who we do not know caught off the ambulance that was supposed to be there so the commission wouldn't let him start until the ambulance arrived and that was another like hour wait new japan strong a tradition of fuckery it's 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 incredible that they have continued to fuck up and look minor league in the states as much as they have yet thank christ they put on such a product that at the end of it was like i can't stay mad at you new japan this has been a fucking nightmare of a night but look at just Look at what or, you've done. Or perhaps they're all making us young lions and teaching us patience to wait before your turn. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, yeah, I think most people go on excursion, excursion and never come back, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Ah, uh, uh, um, fuck. It is what it is, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just grateful that we're where we are um, when it comes to that sort of stuff because it still runs by Japanese time. <laughs> so we get it in prime time effectively still. Um, what time? Hang on, wait. What time did it start? It was like. It was supposed to start like two o'clock, but ended up starting yeah. like three. Starting yeah. at three. Yeah. So, well, not prime time really, but great. No real big drama for me, but. <laughs> For uh, anyone in the states or yeah, ten Eastern like watching, mm. then it would have been yeah, it would have been getting late by the time the show wrapped up with mm. the added um time. time well, think out. of the crowd; they had to sit there for forty-five minutes. Yeah. Thank Christ they found CM Punk there. You know, like yeah. they were like giving something to do. You know, <laughs> I mean, Jesus, if they had an open bar there, I would have been plastered by the time the show started. Yeah, I think they probably, I think they would have had a bar there. Uh, mm. But yeah, like I said, Sam Punk in the crowd did an impromptu meet and greet. That was fucking I, hilarious. I saw that photo. I saw that photo of the people lining up. It's just like, oh. hmm. yeah. I mean, I do wonder if that in some because there were moments where the crowd was pretty flat. I wonder if it affected. Possibly. It have to, man. Like it, the the show ended up being like five and a half hours. I'm curious too, from a production standpoint, um, that like the mixing of the sound. Horrific, man. Yeah, is what like you could hardly hear the atmosphere of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, whose whose fault is that? I have no idea. You take for granted, and you just take for granted the quality of you know. I and mean, we saw it with Noah's show, but the quality of Japanese wrestling production. And then even when they apparently bring the TV Asahi crew over, I don't know if they. they I don't. I don't feel like they brought the director over. Because yeah. they had way too many crowd shots for a New Japan show. New Japan doesn't do that many crowd shots ever. No. Um, so there's there's still things that are like it's it's like it's a bit of the uncanny valley with New Japan Strong, where it's like it kind of looks like a New Japan show, but not really. You know, like and... it looks like a New Japan show filmed in like the early nineties. Yeah. Kind of has that you know, that old American haze about it that you used to get, you know, old basketball games had that kind of, yeah. didn't like it was filmed anywhere but America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a very distinct aesthetic and I'm, I'm not against, like people were saying, oh, you know, they wanted a bigger venue. Yes. They should have gone a bigger venue. New Japan is just conservative. We know what they are. You know, that's the nature of the beast, but I could imagine how awesome it was to be in the great. San Jose civic center, which is not small, but it's not big, but it's what it's historic. And new Japan love historic venues. It's like a thing that they seek out. You know, I think moving forward, they need to look broader at that strategy because I think they would have sold twice as many tickets had they been available. You know, it, again, I just think you can't have people that are waiting for the first time to watch new Japan pro wrestling, which there were a bunch. I mean, I'm on Twitter and there is a bunch of people for the first time. It's like, what is this? Luckily, as I said, and it, I, I, that's what I love about New Japan Pro Wrestling is they seem to have so little regard for how they're publicly perceived in terms of stuff because ultimately they're like, don't worry. We'll win you over. <laughs> we'll, we'll win you over regardless of this. Despite us being the, the the biggest, you know, the biggest inhibitors to their success and growth is always them. You know, they'll always find ways to make it a challenge, but then they'll find new and exciting ways to overcome it. I kind of find it endearing. <laughs> I just, I yeah. can't help it. I kind of find it endearing. Like, you fuckers fucked up again. And yet somehow at the end of the night, everyone goes home happy. It's like, how does that happen? Uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm up for New Japan fucking off fight TV completely. Mm. Yeah. 
it's just where they land. I think is ultimately. I think I think they can host themselves, and I think they've they've proven that I they can do that. I mean, dude, they just need to get their crew and production team to, you know, start their own bathhouses, get a bunch of Aussies and Kiwis over there for the Tamashi stuff, then yeah. then come over here and do Tamashi streamed through New Japan World and any any events that they run in the US do the same thing. You're right. Build a young boy production crew. Yeah. And, and just, just do it exactly the fucking same. Yeah. I think uniformity would be would be great. And I think you I think there was improvement. There's heaps of there's a big improvement in terms of the way it was shot compared to previous yeah. New Japan shows um in the States. But it was still technical difficulties that yeah. made it I mean, we used to always comment on the access TV stuff being a bit like it looked like a different product. You know? it, and it and was shot differently. And it was yeah. almost like they were trying to shoot differently to make it feel different. But then you were like, ah, oh, that G1, remember that that first on the G1 yeah. for the access? And it was just like, it doesn't really, I mean, New Japan, it was New Japan shooting it. It just felt different. They were trying to Americanize it. Yeah. You know, with their production and stuff. And I just think New Japan's got its own feel and vibe. And I think people that, I think at this point, I don't think making New Japan palatable to the Western audience is the way to go. I think it's kind of like people that are there want the authentic New Japan. Yeah. So they're like, give us all the warts and all. Yeah. Um, and they're the most inauthentic New Japan is whatever the fuck the technical difficulties are because it's like they just never happen. Mm. Like New Japan, they had, I mean, I've watched shows where there's been an earthquake and they didn't fucking lose the stream. So like, yeah. like what's the diff? What's the issue? I don't know. And I honestly, I don't care. I think it just needs to be fixed. It's quite simple. It just needs to be fixed. And what I was saying before too, I don't mean to shoot on the production team from Tamashi or anything like that. I think they're doing a great job, but uh, yeah, that the whole process needs to be streamlined and, you know, uh, put all those boys on the payroll and fucking do it legit and have it run live. I think it's, it's getting to that point where if you want to expand you can't be half pregnant with it. You've got to go all the way. And and it doesn't and then it doesn't matter. Like they do it doesn't matter if it's in small venues because they do that in regular New Japan shows, like a bunch mm. of the places. I mean, they're playing they're doing shows in fucking basketball courts, you mm. know. It doesn't matter if it's in the Croxton or in a small venue in a, in the States, some historic venue, whatever, that's that's fine. It, that, it can be that, but just have that production value uniform mm. across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that'll that'll be the big difference maker. And yeah, just do it all, do it all through them. People, I think there's enough people signed on to New Japan now. You know, with the um, you know since the Jericho new signees, and now with Mercedes coming on board, mm. there's enough Western audience there that understand the functionality of the website and all that sort of thing. Yep. Um, that you can you can do that now. And I think copy the Wrestle Universe model where you have yeah. the pay per view available, and it's cheaper if you're a member of the the Wrestle Universe, or cheaper if you're a member of New Japan World. Incentivize people to sign up to New Japan World to save money on the pay per view, and then you got them for the month. Yeah, that would be a much better strategy because I mean it's available there in Japanese, and anyone can buy it in Japanese, so it's already there. And people were doing that; they're like, "Fuck this, I'm going on the Japanese feed," and then when the when they yeah. watch the pre-show in the Japanese feed and it's going great, and then they hold everything up because fights dragon, they're like, "Hang on, our show was great." So imagine what the Japanese audience are trying to figure out: like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, why are they stopping? There's no issues. 
So yeah, I think it's time to everything on world, I think is the way to go. I agree. Okay. So once we actually were able to watch the show. Shit happened. Lots of shit happened. Yeah. Shit happened. And lots of shit happened. Um, I mean, I, I don't think we necessarily need to go through, uh, given the, the time frame, given the, the enormity of stuff that's happening. I think we've got the key sort of talking points from the show. I'm, I'm interested if there's anything you wanted to talk about of the show that I haven't necessarily linked here that you think deserves. The Android needs to change his gimmick. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Just get a new gimmick, buddy. Just, yeah. Uh, oh, boy, he just needs to get on TV, I think, at this point. I think he'd just be happy yeah. to be seen. Mm. I like him. Good guy. I really like what he can do in the ring and everything. I just the whole Android thing is just a complete miss for me. I'd be interested to see if he I'd be interested to see. I, I've had this thought recently about the change of New Japan and terms of the change of the philosophy around strong, for instance, and the LA Dojo stuff. And I wonder if New Japan is in a position where they've got too many people. Like their roster is quite big and they don't have a lot of of landing spots for a lot of guys. Like where does Alex Coughlin fit if not? And if he's going to work strong, Strong's new model is going to be like one show every six weeks or something. Mm. So where does a guy like that fit? And when it's the LA Dojo system, it's like, okay, I mean, Carl Fredericks has already left. He's in NXT now. Eddie Thorpe. Um, yep. Um, he's actually on NXT level up. So he's on the, the he's on the level below NXT at the moment. Um, he'll make his way up, I'm sure. NXT dark. But it's like, it's kind of like they had that strong model. They had that LA Dojo model, but it's like, LA Dojo feels a little cursed at the moment in terms of the guys that are getting hurt and haven't really, no one's really broken out other than Ren Narita. And it's kind of like he's not really LA Dojo in that sense. He sort of went there as finishing school. So I'm kind of interested in, in the whole presentation of that and what it actually means and if those guys are going to work somewhere else. Because put it this way, I think they've decided that Kevin Knight's going to get a run. I think they've decided he's going to get a chance, but it feels like the dojo might be a situation where they would get five or six guys and only one or two of them actually end up making it, to be fair, uh, in New Japan proper. A little different to the the uh, no-go dojo where basically you're given a job for life, you know? Mm-hmm. That's just my fear. I'm just like, because he, he was wrestling J.R. Kratos on the undercard. He was wrestling J.R. Kratos two years ago. Mm. That was literally he, like his strong story was him wrestling J.R. Kratos. It's two years later. He's still wrestling J.R. Kratos. It's like he's in suspended animation. Now, granted, it could be the pandemic and it's difficult flying them over and back and it's more expensive. I don't know. But it's just something I've been thinking about. As you mentioned, like, oh, he needs a gimmick change. Like, I, well, you forget about his gimmick because when was the last time we saw him? Tag League. And when's the next time we're going to see him? Mm-hmm. You know? Eight weeks from now? Well, hopefully he uh, downloads some brand new software. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was curious about that when um, they talked about the changes to Strong, about, you know, it not being the show that it's going to be. It's going to be more the American showcase shows and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's a funny place to be in, I suppose, for a bunch of guys. And, you know, Farley Dojo is somewhat in the same position. Not all of those guys are getting 
going to get spots and, mm-hmm. and it's almost like it kind of behooves you if you are a Fale Dojo guy or an LA Dojo guy. You know, Connors is another one who's come through from the yeah. LA Dojo. But I feel like he's 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 got promise. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it, it almost is like, you know, maybe that's not necessarily the goal. The goal is to use that as a leg up into getting into the, you know, do the lube route and then go from file or la dojo into the into the the japanese yeah New Japan i dojo. would not be surprised because that's and if you think about it, a lot of guys that feels like that's what happens is they identify you and say you we want you over here and you do the oscar move and mm. um that would probably be what i feel like is i think the la dojo was kind of an experiment with shibata yeah yeah um you know, and he was like giving him something to do, and those guys are all great, and they're you know, but it's a matter of it's just landing spots. It's just the roster is is quite large, and two, like at least in the states, the American indie scene is vibrant again. So there's places to work, and you don't mm. have to be a, a New Japan guy. Um, and maybe it's a matter of like, okay, well, you didn't make, you don't get to come to japan and do the dojo thing but can you get yourself now over on the indie scene and we'll always have an eye out for you or well i think some of them might be like i think i've noticed i mean they're they're starting to wrestle i know they're wrestling at prestige wrestling the la dojo as a brand as la dojo is wrestling at the wrestlemania weekend so i think that might be an opportunity is just to build build the la dojo brand in the independence they were doing that with, the guy they were doing that with the most was uramura like he was the guy that was going to basically every independent and was working that way and it was so great to see because he was getting himself over in every room every room of rabid indie fans that saw him were like that's that's my new favorite wrestler but dude maybe maybe that's the route then right unless you are a uh, who they see as as a generational sort of guy like a Ren Narita or a, um, a Shota Umino, unless you are perceived as one of those sort of dudes from the fan base, then you kind of got to work your way to it. But it's funny because it's the, the generational guy is Yuomura. You know what I mean? Like he is the guy and he's the guy they're sending on all the – he's getting the indie dates. And you wonder, you know, what the – you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it seems interesting that that would be the strategy as opposed to the guys that you think need to get the exposure. Like a Coglin, you're just not seeing. I mean, I've seen him. I've seen him. He worked a Beyond show recently. He's starting to take independent dates. I just think they need to take more independent dates. Otherwise, they're not going to just. I just think they're just going to be wasted. And I just say, I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on Coughlin. I think he's, I really do think he's a great talent. I like his in ring performance. I like his, like, I like his matches. So I'm not trying to shit on him as a performance. I mean, just personally, I'm not connecting with his his character. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I'm, I'm the same, man. I'm the same. I think in ring is great. Um, but yeah, same deal. That I'm not hot on that gimmick. Um, but I'm okay for him to work that out for fucking two or three years if he has to. You know, whatever. You know, you know and figure out exactly what it is. You know, what does that yeah, mean? What, what does is, that? Who, who he is? What, I mean, who knows. But you, you are correct. It's a bit hard for someone to connect with the wrestler and their character, particularly if you're only seeing them once or twice a year. Yeah, you're not seeing yeah. them very much on New Japan television. So, yeah, it does make it a challenge. 
you don't you need those tours you need those tours and those reps to to connect with, with the crowd uh, and to and to develop a better understanding of how to use your character and work to your character if you're not getting those reps you're not really you're not developing so it, it leads to stagnation so well then i mean he's going to have to do the your route then isn't he he's going to have to go and take indie dates and win over the room and figure it out like you was on the jericho cruise <laughs> that's like yeah, he's he's everywhere that's yeah. what he does um because yeah he's he's the one do you think maybe you're 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 you just say you yeah yeah yeah. Yuya Uramura. <laughs> Yuya Uramura, that's his name. Yeah. Um, do you think Boss J, before Boss J, he comes back? I don't know. I mean, he's in Impact at the moment. Um, He's doing Indies and Impact. He's 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 the year behind them. So, like, mm. they're all a year ahead. So, I don't know when he comes back. But... Yeah, because they had that weird crossover thing where they almost treated him like... The young, the young, young boy, you know, the young boy to the young boys. Yeah. But yeah. he was, but he was, him and Suge were, were the pairing, you know, in terms of they were always battling one another. So, which is the funniest thing because Suge is so much bigger than you, like, but they were always the, the two, um, similar to Oiwa and Vegeta, you know, like they're just the two guys that are paired. Yeah. Um, and remember they did that, like that draw series, they had like 27 matches and they keep all, always time with draws. So, I think whenever Suge makes his return, you you won't be too far behind. Um, and importantly, which really cool, like Nakashima, um, the young guy that keeps his development's been fucked. He he was noting on Valentine's Day it was three years since you you broke his arm. You know, like because they were in a match and they were rolling and like they were just rolling. And I remember it because it was his debut match. It was his first mm-hmm. ever match. And they're rolling and he puts his arm out to stop it and he gets rolled up on it and dislocates his elbow. It was gross. But it's, it was Yuya that did it. And Yuya was like, what a fucking worker. Was just like talking shit to him, calling him weak. It was like, holy shit. Um, and so I feel like there's something. The, the, those two were like ships in the night. I think when Yuya turns up, Nakashima goes out, you know, and they'll just keep those guys apart until eventually... You know his 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 debut. If I'm booking it six years down the line, his return matches against Yuya. So I feel like that there'll be some play of the young boys when they go. The next crew will come in. So yeah. it's exciting times for returns, you know, because I think the generational talents on their way. And if, like I said, if you're the android, as you said, Red, you got to be shitting bricks because, like, where am I going to land? Where's my spot? There's so mm. many guys out there. And they're all due to come back and you got to try to make an impression and you've only got a tour, you know, you've got a tour to, to prove yourself. And if you don't, you may not be seen again. <laughs> like that's just, it's, it's a fucking, it's a harsh landscape at the moment in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Everyone's fighting for spots. I think that's pretty clear now as we get back to full steam ahead everyone's it's like the universes are combining because when during the pandemic they had japan over here and they fostered an american scene because they couldn't get the guys over so they built this this crew of people but now it's like okay we've got this crew of people but, but we've also got the japanese crew there's not enough spots for everyone so people gonna have to fight over the last remaining opportunities uh can i just really quickly just touch on the fred rosa kenta match sure yep so it's a very it segues perfectly off of it yeah, well, I mean, I just, I absolutely adored that match. I thought it was great. I'm a big fan of Fred Rosser. I like the guy. 
<clears throat> and the message he sends outside of the ring. Uh, and I really enjoyed the story of that one, of him being underdog while being the champion, taking on Kenta. And I really enjoyed the way he told the story of he wanted to take all of Kenta's kicks and he was walking straight into them and didn't back down. Uh, obviously, the the match came to an end with Juice coming out, uh, which is, is you know, I'm hoping Fred Rosser is involved in something with Juice down the road. That'd be cool. I'd imagine but, that's where they're headed, I'd imagine. But, but uh, I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, take my hat off to Fred Rosser because I thought he put on a great performance with Kenta and it was a, a very simple story they told in the ring, but mm. it was a really entertaining match. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I mean, Fred Ross is an interesting case for me. I'm not entirely sold on him as a a main event no. guy. I, I feel like he works incredibly hard. And I think that he would be great in like Hontai, like one of those, like, you know, like those kind of guys that they've had for years or like yeah, they just work hard and they're like good guys and they're, they're the carpenters, you know, the guys that can really put on solid um matches i think he's got a lot of wwe isms in him that he's working hard to get rid of um mm-hmm. and i think with kenta kenta sort of gave him an opportunity to to do that kenta's like okay cool let's just do that um but as i said this, it's a perfect segue off the back of this you know fred rosser has been a push commodity on strong he's been the strong champ he's had a massive run with that belt it's been him there's only you know, there's only been two strong champs prior to this and it was him and and filthy tom you know, he's, you know, the belt's gone back bef- between those two guys. So for two years, he's been the dominant main event talent at, at the strong level. But when it comes time to, when it came time for G1, Filthy Tom's getting the call, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's just, there's something missing. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I would. I, I kind of wanted, and I, I advocated for it, Red. And I, I, I know you didn't like it at the time, but I still think it. I would have done it. I would have teamed him with Tana in the tag league, and I would have given him an opportunity with Tanahashi. And I think that 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 team of like that classic face, that Hontai face team, and see if he can, working with Tanahashi, can sort of unlock that missing piece. Um. I would have liked to see him get an opportunity and tour in Japan because I think that would be the best thing for him. I feel 100%. like he is New Japan strong. As I said, it's uncanny valley. It's like New Japan, but it's not New Japan. And if he got an opportunity to go on tour and to do that, I feel like I, I feel like it's in him. I really do, but I just don't. I just don't know what his ceiling is, and I'm, I yeah, I just think he's a he's a you know good worker, works hard. He's an awesome dude, um, but like his promo and the lead up and his stuff, it just to me it feels like a guy that doesn't quite understand the Japanese mm. approach yet. It's almost like he's been told what it is and he hasn't experienced it for himself. Yeah, whereas Tom, Tom, Tom is he gets it and got it straight away, walked in and fucking made it, you know. Yeah. But he got the, he was given the opportunity to do that and he got yeah. it. And we all knew that he but he he showed signs that he would get it, I guess. And he didn't have to to work hard to get rid of the WWE isms from his mm-hmm. game. And whereas, you know, that's what Ross has had to do. But I, I feel like he deserves an opportunity. That's why I want to see him get an opportunity. I don't think it's a G1. I think give him a tag league or give him give him a tour. Just give him a tour and see if it's there, you know, because 
if he goes work, I mean, this thing with Juice Brick, where's he going to go work dark? That's what he's going to do because that's that's fucking dark club with fucking Juice Robinson. Like, I don't know where that leads him. Ultimately, I think he needs to get. I think the decision is the right one. I think getting Kent to the strong title is the right move because he can wrestle on Ring of Honor or wherever it is. It was a fine match, but it's like it's with him as champion, strong the strong belts like second match on the card. I just wanted to take my hat off to a, a good worker who I've I've seen massive improvements from a guy. Oh yeah, he's improved a heap, man. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I mean. I just want to take my hats off because I've seen a couple of strong stuff, and whenever I've seen him, I've just always been. Wow, go you, buddy! I'm actually really impressed with what you're doing. No, his stuff with Filthy Tom, like if you if you're not sold on his stuff, with Filthy Tom was really good, really good. Filthy Tom made him angry, and he got mean, and he got like like that was good, not heelish, but really aggressive and mean. But he doesn't want to play that role. He wants to play like the face role, and it just it's a tricky space. And I I, I just think you put him with Tanahashi, and Tana will tell you if he's got it or not. Simple as that. And and not to um. Not to dethrone you as the Twitter champion of that night. Uh, that match gave us probably the best tweet of the entire night from Kenta, uh, saying, just always happy to have my biggest fan here to see a real go to sleep. Yeah. Oh, man, it's great. When when he's fucking about to do, he did the, he did the CM Punk thing and then stuck yeah, his fingers yeah. up. Just excellent. <laughs> I mean, CM Punk's lucky because Kenta and Andy Kingston are in the building. Yeah, like, lucky, like, good God, lucky you got there alive, son. Yeah, Betty he, he wasn't going backstage. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'm glad, I'm glad we gave an opportunity to, to sing some praises there. I said, I, I'm i not to shit on Rosser. I, I see the potential. It's just, I, as we, the, the discussion needs to be had. It's a competitive landscape. It's a really competitive landscape. And it's not, despite, you know, New Japan, unless you go through their dojo and get a job for life, everyone else has got to fight for just an opportunity, you know? Yeah, if you're going to get there and you're on the second brand, um, then, you know, you've got to be seen there as the main event. You know what I mean? And like I, same deal. I don't have anything against Rosser or anything like that. It, it just, he doesn't feel like the guy to me. He just feels like another guy at this point. And I um, hope he proves me wrong. Um, but I'd like to, I would like to see him get a tour, see where he sits. But it's a, yeah, it's a tough sell for me at this point. But it's like we've seen that with guys. Remember we talked about Mikey Nichols in Chaos forever. Like he just doesn't seem to fit. It doesn't seem to be right. And then yeah. he, his his old mate, you know, Haste turns up, yeah. and then it's like instantly, ooh. And it's it's like what is that thing that he? There's something out there for him. And with rivalry with Filthy showed it maybe. He probably doesn't want to do it, but maybe a heel is the way for him to go, and that would help him. Too. Yeah, I was going to say he would be a great heel, but I don't think he wants to. He doesn't want to do that, so yeah, kind of goes yeah, counter to his be, whole message, his life, personality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just a, it's a tricky space, and it's a tricky one. And that, I mean, it's the hardest. I think it's the hardest job to do. Be an overface. Yeah, like it would suck fucking hard yeah, yeah you can't you can't mess up you can't yeah i mean it's it's i mean it's easy to be a cunt <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to be it's hard to be wholesome and get over you know like i yeah. was gonna say i i describe myself as a full-time face and <laughs> i don't find it tiring um i just always push on with the positivity it's always about 
Hustle, loyalty, eat your vitamins and respect. Look, Red, too though, like you'd uh, you know, you get over with the comedy. Ross is not a it's it's not a it's not a comedy act either. So his his is about integrity and like and fighting spirit. Like it, it the things that should work. And I said, I I you can tell that he studies and he understands what he's trying to do. He just it just for me, it just hasn't clicked. Maybe it would click better in Japan too, though, because those things that you know, exactly honor and all that sort of stuff get over there. Whereas in the States And he may get the he may get the feedback that sort of gives him the right direction to keep pushing his because he's got good instincts. Yeah, he's got good instincts. Like the idea of taking he felt the crowd with all Kenta and that. So he took him out to try to again showcase like all right, you want to you want to fight me stiff? Let's let's do this and sort of get the crowd invested by going to them. Yeah, solid instincts. It's just again, I think maybe the feedback from him. You're right. Maybe he's not built for the American audience, and he would benefit greatly from being. I, I as I said, he feels like a Hontai guy. He just feels like one of those guys that could get over in those spaces. Not particularly because he's going to be like the flashiest wrestler, just because of the 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 attributes he will display. So. I hope he gets a tour. It's going to come down to just an opportunity, and he, if he gets one shot, he's going to have to make it count. So, yeah, I think so. Let's hope he gets yeah, a shot. It's going to be the case with a lot of guys. It is. It's yeah. literally the case now. If you you get one, you get one shot, one tour. And speaking of which, it's a competitive landscape. Um, we the one there is a spot. There is now a spot that has opened up. Um, at the top of the card. Uh, thanks to the inevitable, as discussed here last week, the inevitable departure of one Jay White. Fill that spot with a whole faction. <laughs> just plug in Congo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to save, just to save Dave. And by the way, I've nicknamed that match the Saliva and High Fiver. Yeah, yeah a lot of awesome. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know, spill. Spittle around. It was to me, it's it was as cruel a match. I said it was cruel and unusual punishment to watch because it was, and we talk about it. Like I said, Jay worked differently the last couple of matches. I've never seen this. Is I mean, it was a masterclass because he turned himself babyface in one match. In a match, he turned babyface. We've been saying forever, oh, I can't. We need Jay to become a babyface. We'll get a chance to see what it looks like. We got to see what it looks like at the very end of that match. And it's like, fuck. It's like, Jesus. The idea of like he got that crowd who were booing, were apathetic towards him because they they understood what was happening. They're a smart crowd. Knew he was going, yeah. They knew he was going. And it's a bit similar to 18 months ago. An interesting little story. 18 months ago, David Finley did a did a uh, an interview where he talked about the prospect of potentially going to NXT before he had a match against Jay White at the um like the Rose Bowl, like they did a show where it's gonna be Jay White versus David Finley. Finley gave this, you know, interview in the lead up and had mentioned NXT, whatever. And the crowd decided that Finley, who was meant to be the face, they fucking hate him because he's leaving. Because they thought they knew where he was out. That's the type of New Japan strong, New Japan of America audiences are they're all like Reading the dirt sheets, they're all very connected. So they understand things like that. It's an irony, you know, considering where this match will go, that that was hijacked because of that situation. So this situation is very similar, where they're like, they've listened to that observer interview. 
they know where it's going. They know where the story's playing out. So they're like, fuck, they're not even booing Jay. They're not giving him anything in that respect. It's almost like we're not going to connect here. But as the match goes on, it becomes, you know, the, the realization, the reality of what's happening is going to hit. And they were masterfully building this idea that Eddie beat the shit out of him, beat the living shit out of him, gave him about four whatever Urican back fists and then, a, you know, those blue thunder driver things. And he kicked out after about seven of them, whatever it is, to the greatest near four. That, that crowd was like, oh. And in that moment, he got them to get the feeling or the realization that he was going to leave. And then them at the just before the three hit to want him not to lose, to want him to stay. And the crowd was so relieved when that happened, only to then give him the ending at the end. So it was like mm-hmm. this moment where they he gave him the self-realization that he was going and that he they didn't want him to go, which turned him in the in the context of the match. And I'm like, what a perfect way to do it. You turn him face on his last moment. Everyone's the the crowd's done. They're all yelling, thank you, Jay. They're all realizing, oh fuck, this is what's happened. They want him to give him the, you know, the final, you know, the New Japan's greatest talker to give them that, you know, that baby face promo to finish it all off. Yeah. Well, and even before that too, like that, the thank you, Jay chant, as Eddie was walking out, became, yeah. became like a thank you, Eddie chant. Mm. And then he directed it and he was like, when you Jay and was directing it, he's like, not me, him, like, and thanking him. That was really cool too. I really liked that moment. Well, Eddie understood. He got. Yeah. He knows where it's going. He got the story. He's like, no, this is. And it was a really lovely moment where he's like, after Eddie beats him, he's having a chat to him about like, like it. It's a, there's a, a level of respect there. Um, it's going to be a weirdest footnote. Is like Eddie Kingston, the non New Japan guy that banished Jay White from New Japan. Like he wants to go to Japan so badly. All these tweets the last week or so. Holy fuck! He needs just, to just go to Japan, Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think they would. They would fucking. They would love to have him there. I tell you what, he loves all Japan. Go to all Japan now. Yeah, it's Nakajima. <laughs> we'll get to that, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you want to be there? <laughs> yeah, just go. Go to Japan. Yeah. Um, he would. He'd be great. Um, but he so he he deflects. He pushes the attention to Jay. Um, and then yeah, you get this sense like, oh, we're gonna finally see it. You know, his baby he he baby faced himself. It was it was really impressive. The match of the underdog fighting, showing his fighting spirit, never giving up, taking beatings. He said ready, spitting, he's drooling, he's clamoring, he's got nothing left. He's given everything he can. He just he hasn't got it anymore. He just can't he just can't compete at this level, which is what he's done to demonstrate. You know, he's 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 run his course. You know, he just he's, and mm. but he kept fighting. And it's like, oh, we want the comeback story now. We want that redemption. We can build the redemption. And it's like, oh, he's going to tell us something. It's like, like Shalali, Shalali, <laughs> and and I was when I tell you, when I tell you, I was fucking cheering. I was fist pumping like you couldn't believe. It was like, fuck yes. And then David Finley goes on after fucking giving J one to deliver a. You know, we've seen we've seen the hints of Finley throughout the. We saw the the glimpses. I didn't know he had that level of promo in him. Fuck it, talk about getting heat. <laughs> he got he legit. They, they wanted to fucking kill him. They hated him. Yeah, shut the fuck up. And he's like, no, 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 no. 
You shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is the thing of he got given the ball. He got given the ball. And we talked about it's competitive marketplace. You're going to get this thing. He got given the ball, and he looked like he had been waiting for that all his life. He was like, don't worry, lads. I got this. Because he was comfortable in the heat. He had yeah. no issue in the heat. They gave him no nerves. There was nothing. It was like, yep. Yeah. I've been, and I've been preparing for this moment for a long time. Yeah. This you and when it plays out, we talked about well, I want Jay's like I want Jay's departure to mean something. That's how it means something. It's like that's his that's his I mean, let's you can pull back that's his shoot best friend. You can pull back the curtain. That's his legit shoot best friend. That's his dojo mate. That's the guy that he came up with for years. That the Finley story of the guy that was the joke that like I said, I was scared of your dad and all you do is make me laugh. Like that's a tough thing to hear. Like your dad's <laughs> one of the most fearful guy. All you do is make me laugh. He was always the run of the litter, always. Of that crew, he was always the guy that was constantly trying to prove himself, was always in Jay's shadow. Could mm. never achieve anything. Was he went from underneath Jay to underneath Juice? He was never his own man. And that "fuck your era" line just delivered mm. with so much spice. Yes, I was like yes, David your Shitty. vitriol, shit on everyone on Twitter. He's been shitting on you for a fucking week. You know, <laughs> yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Everyone has been praising like what all this stuff. It's like you had the world, you had the pro wrestling world in the palm of your hands, and you let it go. Mm. You wasted an opportunity that I would kill for. And guess what I just did? I'm killing for it. And like, he's like, get this piece of shit out of my ring. <laughs> like, get, yeah. get a shot of me on that. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, Finley. What is this? Naughty boy, Finley. And, but the promo and the way he told it, and a lot of people read it as Finley's now the leader of the Bullet Club. And I didn't read it at that at all. Mm-hmm. He may end up as that because Gato sees white guy and thinks Bullet Club. That sends me how he's. Yeah, maybe. Um, but in that moment, that wasn't about taking over Bullet Club. That was about proving to his his dojo mate that he is he has always been the better man, and that mm. he he has he deserves the spot, and that he wouldn't go out like a punk because he's made for this. And his promo about being the outsider. I'm an outsider in Ireland. I'm a, in Ireland. I'm American. In America, I'm Irish. I love that line. In Japan, I'm a guy. Jin. I'm an outsider everywhere. Yeah, it's fucking good, wasn't it? Like he said, wrestling isn't about a country. It's a business. And he goes, in this business, there's four generations. I belong here. Like it's it was it was like born in blood and soil. And he's like, and it's the only mm. place for a savage like me. It's like very oh fucking Irish warrior, really, isn't it? It's like yeah. I, but that's the truth. Like it came up; yeah. those boys were wrestling in fucking dirt. Like, and Finley came up through, like he came up through Germany and South Africa. He wrestled in the weirdest places. He took the weirdest path to get there. He is shoot from the toughest family. Mm. Like this guy is built for it, and I was like. He proclaimed himself in that one spot. I'm like, New Japan, we've been saying there's going to be a void for a top-level heel. And he just said, I'll take it. Well, and I mean, like, too, like, at the same time, Jay was kind of, like, shifting from heel to, like, that sort of, like, anti-hero sort of thing. And if you think about, like, with Okada going into more of his cunt Okada, you've got evil, like, with the absolute go-away heat and all that kind of stuff. They haven't actually had, like, a proper, like... If you think about what a heel is, a heel is a guy who you want to see the absolute shit beaten out of. 
and they win or they don't win. But you, you know what I mean? You pay your money because you want to see this person beating the shit out of When he cracked the shillelagh into Jay's head, facing up Jay, man, I tell you what, I was beyond happy. I was so happy because there is a heel that I want to get invested into. You know what I mean? There is a guy that I want to see become a disruptor that I can't wait to see when he's in a match with, you know, someone just to give them the chance that, you know, they might actually beat the absolute piss out of him. Like, I can't wait until Finley takes on Shingo. You know what I mean? I just want to see someone give him his comeuppance and beat the absolute piss out of him. The other the other type of heel that I really like and uh, that maybe doesn't get mentioned as enough in uh, that, you know, that context, you know, the cat chicken shit heel or whatever I, is like the nasty fucking heel and i think this that's kind of like a space he can work in and i know okada is kind of got that but okada's gonna he's gonna he's gonna run the both still run both sides of the line yeah. with his face heel depending yeah. on where he's at okada's not faithful heel he's a carter yeah. yeah and so so i mean you want a nasty fucking heel would i mean they've Finley, he just fucking booked himself as that as far as but I you know what's great about it? He didn't lie. No. Nah. Mm. Nah. And and you know, last year's G1, he was fucking nasty in that nasty. G1. Yeah. Like the way he wrestled. Yeah. He like we talked about like he there was if you go all the way back to when he was wrestling yeah. Hangman on yeah, AEW, yeah, yeah. he was nasty. He was mm. doing things like, oh, and they and at that point, he was Hontai, and he but he was always separate to the boys. He was always coming out in his own, and it was it was highlighting that this has been in the works for a while. This mm-hmm. elevation, this push, is not something that they. I think pre G one, the decision was made that mm-hmm. you were going to be the next guy, and it's why he's been off New Japan mm-hmm. TV, so to speak, for a period. I think was yeah. so that you know there was nothing super. Uh, he wasn't sort of overexposed for this moment. No, and he just and and what I love about it is it's it came out of nowhere but made the m- perfect sense mm-hmm. because like it comes out of nowhere you're like oh of course Finley and it's like I know people are, and what I love is people on Twitter saying you know they're they're making the Bullet Club comparison being like oh Jay White to Finley what a downgrade Bullet Club's dead and it's like you guys that's just gonna feed if if it is the eventual thing that it's gonna feed that character that yeah. character's whole thing is that he does not get respect. And they're making that the explicit thing. It doesn't matter where I go. No one respects me. No one is like, so his thing is fuck everyone. And it's yeah. like, I don't see that as leader of Bullet Club. I see that as I'm on my fucking own. And I mean, it even it even echoes like that whole thing during the G1 that he had, was, which was like, expect me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you, you talk about a guy who had such a stop-start career in New Japan, like Finn Juice, and even his G one, everyone doubted him. Like we didn't, you know what I mean? Like we oh, yeah, we didn't. Play. Yeah, and, until he got two matches in, we were like, fucking, uh, it was an afterthought, you know. But then once he got two matches in, we were like, we yeah. we sold, we bought stonks yeah. immediately. We we're like, yeah. this <laughs> version of Finley we is an episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this guy, yeah, because he'd got it in him. Yeah, and, and I, I just love that though that the whole thing of like you know even we just said we did a whole show on him from the G one is and he didn't lie. Where's the lie? Like he one hundred percent has been overlooked the entire time, and mm-hmm. that that fuck your error line which we brought up before. I mean fuck, 
Yeah, fuck your era, fuck your era, and then fuck California. Yeah, it's like fuck your era, fuck yeah. you, fuck California, fuck this guy. Like it's stunt it just came out of nowhere because we hear fuck, but you don't hear it on American shows. <laughs> you don't hear someone just start fucking maybe, maybe uh yeah, I mean Finley, what was the you know, maybe he he got Will Osprey money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Finley made the Osprey money. And I mean, that's, I mean, look, that's, I would say that if with, with Jay leaving and there's some top guys potentially leaving and some readjustments of contracts and guys getting older, you know, there was a spot available for that. And I think that if Finley wore, if I think if Finley demonstrated a commitment to New Japan, then I think it's, as we said, he's a dojo boy. That's, mm-hmm. you cannot, Stress. If you want to, if you're following New Japan Pro Wrestling, you want to know who they're going to push. <laughs> and like when push comes to shove, Sonata's always going to be struggling to get a push. Taichi's always going to be. They're going to have to fight to get a push because they're not dojo boys. Yeah, dojo boys will always get the first look because they have earned it. Quite simply put, they have earned it. They went through torture <laughs> to get to this point, so they've earned the right. But doesn't doesn't mean they're going to get they're going to be elevated. They'll get the evil push, and if they drop the ball, yeah, they'll get a look. Yeah, they'll get a first. first they'll get look. a first look. Evil was always going to get the look over Sonata. Well, yeah, I mean you too. I mean you only got to look at that two of the biggest stars in their company that aren't dojo boys, and how fucking hard they've had to work for their positions, hmm. like Osprey and Shingo, just been undeniable. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But but him winning the title was stunning because it was like oh shit yeah, so yeah. like yeah and then like a guy like Coda but it wasn't until he was fucking signed <laughs> they saw like a fifty year deal give him, like... give him the belt you know yeah exactly <laughs> and I think that that's what I'm saying is like expect him we should have expected him we should have expected him at this point he said he told everyone expect me and then we forgot about him again and then he turns up and <laughs> brilliant strategy really. Like they've done it well. You, you said it before, Dave, with the whole nasty heel going thing. And what I want for Finley right now is I want that nastiness to be cranked up. I want oh, yeah. actual legit baby faces who are in the ring. Like he's wrestling Ishii in the first round, Red. I mean, dude, he. I mean, he's got to be in the favorites now to win the cup. Like, yeah. <laughs> again. An afterthought to a oh fuck yeah we, we gotta watch Finley now yeah imagine imagine if he comes out and he um kayfabe breaks a limb of Ishii breaks Ishii's leg can't be done but you could try uh, but I mean like you know but I'm just saying like I just really want to see Finley just get nasty I want well, to see that's the perfect guy to do it against because he won't he won't stop like Ishii's not going to stop it's like Ishii doesn't have he doesn't feel pain so you're just going to beat the living. Like the crowd will be the simpy that Ishii's going to get. The crowd's yeah. going to be so he'll just beat the piss <laughs> for him. It'd be great. I want, that, I want that Simpsons meme. No, no, no. What's the? Is it the Simpsons meme of like he's already dead? Like yeah. I want Finley just going fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, just, I think you dickhead Finley. Fuck you, leave well, it alone. Well, if you think it, you think of his G one. <laughs> if you think of his G one, like he saw a lot of those elements in his his game plan. He was very strategic. He was very. Yeah, like went after Juice's hand and like that was the vicious. That was nasty. But see, yeah. but see, that was brilliant because when you think about, you look in retrospect. We looked at that match and said, "Well, well, Juice deserved it." Mm. You know, like Juice deserved getting that sort of punishment. 
But it's like, yeah, but Finley still had to go to a very dark place to want yeah, to do yeah, that. He, yeah, he went nasty. Yeah. Yeah. And they and, both did, which was the cool element about it. Oh, that was a that yeah. was a memorable match of last year and was like vicious. Um so yeah, now we're in a situation where oh, we don't know what Finley's going to do. We don't know if it's gonna be a new faction, if it's gonna be he's gonna take over Bullet Club. Or he's gonna do like an outsider thing for a yeah. while. Who knows? Yeah. And it's like he's it's like there's there's he's tagged up for a bunch of different guys in the upcoming New Japan Cup tour. Like he's un, like when he's in the under tags, he's with a bunch of like he's with the strong style crew for a bit. He's with like he he, he sort of fluctuates a little bit with his tag partners. So I don't think they know where he's gonna end up. And I, it screams bullet club, like it does. I won't deny that, but I, I think people jumping to that conclusion and saying it's definite I think is a little premature because he to me there's some clear things about a bullet club transition of power that you would see traditionally and that would be they hunt in packs it can't be uh talked about without talking about the fact that he was all in black Okada's all in black Yo and Leo all in black something's happened with chaos Mm. something's happening with chaos um because if Akata and Tanahashi are challenging Bishamon for the tag team titles, <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, like who okayed that? Akata going for a title other than the world belt's weird enough. Yeah, and then he's going after versus his, his own teammates. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That doesn't. That's an odd decision from the man. Yeah, um, Akata said it's okay. Yeah, which is <laughs> Robbie Eagles is informing us from the uh, informing us from the chaos group chat, letting everyone yeah. know that Carter said it's fine. Um, yeah, I you know if Robbie, I mean we have to we have to check if Robbie and see if he gets some black gear because it just seems like that's what chaos are doing. Everyone's getting black <laughs> yeah, gear now. I don't think Robbie's you know? getting black gear somehow. The black gear is noticeable, just noticeable. It's like oh, he's dressed all in black. What's Again, pe- people say Bullet Club, maybe, maybe. I mean, I mean it's the most overt like it's mm-hmm. it's easy to make that ass- assessment but it's like juice was there yeah it's almost too obvious what's my thinking juice was there Kenta was there yeah. so like if you're going to turn on jay and you're going to join bullet club mm. wouldn't you bring your other dojo mate with you if you were going to be the ones doing it yeah you know wouldn't it that would be i mean maybe they're waiting for the cup to do that and I wouldn't be it wouldn't be the first time that's happened in the cup that Bullet Club, you know, evil did his thing during the cup. I don't know. But something's up. And there's a lot of moving parts, but it's exciting. I think it's very exciting. This is for this is New Japan fan shit. This is for the people that watch the product. That's the thing. Like this is for those on Twitter and saying, like, oh, Finley, whatever. It's like, okay, you can keep doubting the guy. Um, there will be receipts, you know, people will be checking back in. Yeah. Um, like, did you watch the G1 last year? Exactly. Because yeah. if you did, I can understand people being skeptical going in the G1. You should not be skeptical coming out of it. No. The guy was exceptional. And he's he's got an inbuilt rivalry with like Osprey. Like it's it's yeah. built there. It's, yeah. Mm. Like he's yeah. got guys that he was fucking going with. And now he's like saying like that line, like if I catch you in the ring, you better have my permission to be there. Everything he said was yeah. a fucking just. It was like he was just burning the joint down. Yeah, <laughs> he was cooking. And as I said, like I mean, you can get back behind the the curtain of it of, of it all. It's like for Jay White, that must have been one of the proudest moments of his New oh, Japan yeah. run. 
Mm. I mean, you talk, you talk about Jay right now, Hikaleo, and now Finley. But Finley, particularly Red, Finley oh, no, is no, of the yeah, yeah, his best friend. Like you go, like you know, and like he gave him that. You know, he's like, no one's gonna know what I was gonna say. No, like my last moment in a New Japan ring, and maybe his last moment of his entire New Japan career. Yeah, was taken away. Yeah, is taken away by this guy, yeah. and he and it's like that's a those two are going to be tied together for the rest of time. And I think they're, they're more than happy being that. And the fact that like, it's not like it's fucking genius storytelling because it's mm. based on character. He like, he turned heel on the biggest heel in the company. How does that happen? Mm. Right. But it made perfect sense in the moment. Everything felt right because well, Jay did the work to switch himself to get to that point, to set up to the point, to give all that heat to Finley. To me, like when like we can all be disappointed Jay's going, but you gotta give him credit for how he went out. Yeah. Making chicken salad out of chicken shit. It wasn't the like it wasn't ideal the last month of booking. But they got to an outcome that I think in six months' time, in twelve months time, we'll look back on and say, That was, you know, what a great op- what a great move they did elevating Finley. And if New Japan do this, if they are able to take David Finley from within from five years of difficult booking of being seen as an afterthought or a joke, and they're able to turn him into a main event level heel through the cup, then yeah, Booker of the Year Gato gets it. It just that would be a, a miraculous move, and I'm confident that Finley, given the opportunity in the cup, if he's given the time, if he's given the the reps, I think he's going to become a a, a very unique character in New Japan Pro Wrestling, one we haven't seen. He's going to be what he wanted Jay to be. Yeah. And and when we talked about it during the G1 too, how sure of himself, like that um, uh, Finley, like Finley knows who he is and he was very sure of himself. Yeah. And that, that was a clear difference. between. But I think he was, two. but he was hiding it, wasn't he? He yeah. knew who he was, but he wasn't willing to show us all just yet who it was going to be. And maybe he was waiting for Jay to be champion, like in his kayfabe concept, Jay to be champion post-Wrestle Kingdom and that he would reveal himself and go after him. But Jay lost it and Jay went out. And it's like, you fucker. Yeah. You you never gave me the opportunity. You fucked up and didn't give me the opportunity to take it. I couldn't take it from you, which is what I wanted to do. Like the frustration of him is you fucked up and didn't give me the right, which I earned, to beat you it doesn't mean much that doesn't mean as much if it's not against you so i'm fucking you off like i think that that's and i'm on to make my own story now it's up to me yeah that's cool i like that so expect more out of david finley and i'm looking forward to it i think side the side of the cup he's on there's some Pumped. he could he could wrestle shoda he could he could kill shoda and this that takes a whole different time now that feels a whole lot different now Debbie yeah, Chan. Like, Debbie Chan, the, the return, the revenge of Debbie Chan. Like, Shota's like coming to say, hello, hello, Debbie. <laughs> like, just beat the shit out of his poor young boy. Remember when we used to drink together? Like, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore, son. Yeah. yeah. Now I drink your blood. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the that's the character we're getting. No chicken shit. No nah, chicken shit here. Yeah, it's not going to be cowardice or. Yeah. Hiding behind Gato or any of that shit with David Finley. No, and we haven't had. Have we had like that? That character hasn't been a New Japan 
he that has not been a heel character in New Japan in the modern era. You know, like it, it, it's like you know, clearly not um, aesthetically. You're in the fact that you know David Finley's not a monster or anything, but like it's like Vader esque in that he was like a fucking beastly nasty heel. Mm. Um, so yeah, like that kind of character, like a nasty, nasty heel. That'd be cool. Well, mm. I mean, I did think of one thing. It's uh, now, now it's time to fuck that era. <laughs> um, lock up your daughter Bailey. Lock up your wife Haley. His name is Finley, and he likes his shillelagh. Very good, Red. Very good. My name Very is good. Finley, and I love the fight. The key with the Finley character, the key with the Finley character that we'll get to follow is resentment. And mm. he resents everyone. He resents the fact that he's been seen the way he's been seen. And he believes in his head, in his mind, that he is the best. And Jay was given everything and he was given nothing. I think, And I, and I think it's going to stretch even further for him too because he's going to resent the fans for not respecting him for all mm. this time. He, he made it clear. You all think I'm a fucking guy, Jin. Like he's going against all of this shit. Like I, 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 I must admit, I was just incredibly excited because it was so fresh. And mm. it's like that's all you want out of this stuff. It's like, all right, Jay's leaving the territory. I'm very sad about it, but they gave me somebody as a like. It's not like, and you know what's going to be. And everyone that you know, we're going to have the fucking smooth brains out there making this this comparison. It's like when Jay, it's like when Jay came in and they said he's the next Kenny Omega. Yeah. It's, like he's, it's not white guy equals white guy. They're very different and they were yeah. consciously different. And this is exactly what this is. It's a transition to another guy, but he's not trying to be Jay White. Yeah. In fact, he's, he's anti-Jay White. He, he's, he's, yeah, like he he's wants saying, to be the antithesis to, to Jay White. Yeah. yeah. Because what Jay White did was fail. Despite getting all of this stuff, he couldn't sustain it. And he's saying there's a reason we've been around for four generations. It's because we know how to do this shit. We ain't going anywhere. And that's the idea. He's looking for long-term like sustainability. Like I'm not just going to win stuff quick or whatever. I'm going to be here for the long run. Like expect me. Like that idea is that's a bold declaration, man. And it's a and it puts him in a very different position and it changes the way that even I was envisioning the year going. This is a bolt of lightning. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it changes the, <laughs> it could potentially change the perception of him from the outside wrestling world too, which is very interesting as well. It's like, I would imagine that, like, you know, if there were talks with him at some point about NXT, they were not expecting that this could potentially be what David Finley is back then. No. Like no one other than him saw this coming. Well, put it this way. I have a feeling that New Japan would not give him the ball unless David Finley said, I'll be here for like five years. You know, like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. that because that's what I'm they do. For a while, I'm yeah. not going anywhere for a while, boys. You know, and I feel like that's the, I, I, it feels like that. It feels like they've long term. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're going to want the long term commitment. So, uh, kudos to him if that's what's happened. Because uh, I need, I need. You know, I said last week. I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking for boys. And uh, Finley, if you're going to give me five years worth of a boy, then yeah. uh, come to me, my son. But what's great about it, Dave? <laughs> it feels like 
for for all those Jay fans, it feels like Jay gave us Finley. And yeah, like, yeah. Look, <laughs> like you go. Look, I'm going to go get paid over here, and what's even going to be better for it is I'm going to leave. I'm going to create a spot, and then my best bud's going to take the spot and the paycheck. Like yeah. we're we're all eating well here now, and now you get to go and do that, and you get to become like, and it will. I think it would mean. Like I loved seeing the, the trajectory of Jay, but the same holds true for Finley. We have seen him from day dot. We've seen mm. him the same way. The poor fella didn't get an excursion, kept getting hurt. Didn't like it was. Yeah, we've seen yep, him stop, that. start, run. Yeah, every time he just got to the point, something would happen. Yeah, and and but let's let's be honest. We all said, "Oh man, he got a great show for this G one. He got in great. Like he, every, wow, he looks like a different person." For it's like we probably should have known then, like. It wasn't just for a G one. I think. I think it was. They're getting him ready for the. You're going up, and well, that, that's why it was. That's why it was weird when after that G one run, because you come out of there with the perception that David Finley. Oh, look! Suddenly he looks like he's wrestling like a main eventer. He's a cat. That's like a main event sort of character. He's cutting great promos, mm. and then he disappeared for ages. Because he got that one Osprey match, that main event Osprey match. That's part of, and was like, oh, this is a sign that. Yeah, yeah, and then wasn't around nothing, nothing. And they sold out too. Remember that was a key, a key thing. They sold that out on the back of those yeah. two guys. So that might have been another little test. Nothing through the uh, Wrestle Kingdom season, or it was because he remember, he, but he said, "I'm not doing tag league again because I don't want to tag with anyone. I'm yeah. sick of being with other people." Like he's like, that's his like yeah. thing. Planting seeds. Yeah, he was telling people then, like, so that's why I just, as I said, it just doesn't make sense for him to just join a faction and if he does join a faction or lead a faction i would want to be his teammates because i don't think i don't think finley cares about anybody i think yeah. finley's like i can't trust any and he rightfully so everybody finley has ever trusted has turned their back on him mm. like that's been the thing he can't trust anyone so he said fuck all of that fuck trusting you fellas i was better than you thought to begin with now let me go off and prove it I'm, I'm, I was boy hunting too, Dave, and I just fell in love. It was like a media, that's my rebound boy. Who told him that um, your dad used to scare me and you? Liger. 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 They were in the bathhouse and it was getting a bit steamy and um, you let it rip. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that was, yeah. And it's, yeah, and Finley wants to garner a bit more heat to start going for dads. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I could. Talks a shit to Liger when he's doing commentary and stuff. Go for yeah. Liger. Go for Nagata. Go for the coaches that were there that all doubted him. He's yeah. got. He literally has everybody in that company. He views as people that have doubted him for his entire. It, there isn't a person in there that ain't going to get it. Like it's just. Shota's going to fucking cop it. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> entitled prick. Like, could yeah. you imagine how frustrated he is about Shota? Yeah. This is the young boy that we that I, we used to take around, you know. Yeah, he was young my boy. young boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, my young boy, and now he's getting propelled to the moon. He's getting the big high profile spots. He's getting the advertising. He's getting on New matches Japan with Naito. Yeah, he's getting whatever he wants. Yeah, his face is on New Japan. Yeah, he's the face of that thing. Meanwhile, I've been given none of it. Like he is a. We've said it. New Japan was looking for that guy that could be that antagonist that could help because. He could be the person to get Shota to where Shota needs to be because, like, yeah. Shota hasn't Shota needs an antagonist. He needs someone that is going to let him showcase his underdog babyface stuff. Finley's a type of guy that's an inbuilt story. They've got history, and he's going to be mean. And mm. like, 
the girls and like the they love and the kids love Shoda. Could you imagine yeah. him just getting fucking just just ripped uh, apart in front of making, their face, making kids cry? Oh, the heat! <laughs> and that's the thing. Like we saw genuine heat. Like it was great. I, I haven't seen good old fashioned genuine heat, and so often people struggle under that spotlight of a crowd that's trying to fuck, like shut the fuck up. Like that's not easy to deal with. And he just cut through it. Yeah. Yeah. Under my balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He did. He took his time. He never wavered. He kept looking for the stuff. And that, that, like I said, that line of you get him out, like he's talking to a young boy, you get him out of this ring or I'm coming for you next. Mm. Fucking Finley. Like, holy shit. I did not know. Like, we thought he had potential. I did not know he had this in him. And it is, like, if he does this and they push him, he, the literally, the ceiling is... The roof. Yeah. Well, Basically, the ceiling, yeah. The ceiling's like, yeah, like... IWGP champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, it almost... Well, it almost writes itself right there with Shoto in the sense that his dad's in the ring. It's like the whole thing of like him being left alone and all that kind of stuff. And here's your dad refing your matches and everything. I'm going to beat the absolute shit out of you in front of your own dad. Retro's going to get two. Another guy that's part of that group. Like Finley's connected with, like, that's the thing. Finley is the, he was seen as the jester. It's, we, Dave and I are referencing a, I think there's about eight people that have seen that YouTube series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one has seen that. But fucking great, loved it. Yeah, Red Shoes used to be on it too. Yeah, um, where they used to go out and get drunk with the boys, and Finley would make everyone laugh. That was kind of the thing. Him and Juice and Juice would just be pissed, laughing, and yeah, silly things. Yeah, and then yeah, it was Finley's channel, and then he'd do little videos after and yeah see in the mountains he was trying to be the nice guy and it never it was connected a very nice guy thing yeah yeah it was like good time finley it was not like finley's not really taken this seriously yeah. no and that was his, that was his thing he was never taken it seriously that's why jay and everyone's like well jay's getting it because jay was then like i love the dynamic of those two and it's a shame they never got the opportunity to like finley should have been the last mat like they should have built that and it could have been something if they knew that would ideally that would have been the way you would have done it they, they made it work regardless. But the idea was Jay was the natural born pro wrestler and mm. Finley wasn't, despite Finley being the born pro wrestler. Yeah. You know, that to me is the resentment he harbors towards Jay White is going to f- just fuel it. But he doesn't just harbor it towards Jay. He harbors towards Gato. He harbors, like, that's why I don't see him just joining them. I see him looking at them as like, all you fuckers that went with Jay, like the Bullet Club should hate Finley. Yeah. You know, they should not like him. And that if he's a heel versus... I think Gato's going to like him. He's yeah. going to be the outsider, which is what he said. I'm an outsider. He's going to be the outsider for every faction. Like everyone's going to be coming for him. It's, they need, that's the that's the gimmick. Keep that. Because if you can have him as their homegrown guy, they've built up like a, like a Moxley-like guy, but a heel version of that, Mm. It's like a lone wolf that everyone hates. Like that he hasn't got a friend in the entire company until he does. And you never know where he's going to strike next. Yeah. Yep. And you can't trust you can't trust anyone around him. You can't trust if there's like who's whose sides he on, whose sides like what who is he? Yeah. It's a to me, it's the most exciting development 
from a top end character wise we have seen thus far and to me he's the first shoe to drop in terms of we've been talking about the shake up of the factions the shake up of the top end you know the top end main event scene finley's the first shoe to drop so then there'll be more to fall in the cup okay that was a lot of finley but it's pretty clear it's pretty clear that we've tagged out from jay and going to finley that's just a straight up thank you very much thank you for that passing the torch there it was nice and uh assist rebound boy okay so obviously everyone listening here is expecting us now to, to move on and talk about mercedes versus Kyrie, the sort of grand debut of mercedes as a worker here uh we are not going to do that here uh and that is not because we don't want to talk about Mercedes. That's because we really want to talk about Mercedes to the extent we are going to be debuting a new uh, format, a new series that will be coming next week, early next week um, when you're listening to this or next episode after this will be the next episode that you hear directly after this one um, coming soon. Um, the Bushi Road Warriors, uh, where we look at stardom, uh, New Japan crossover talent and try to understand um, the relationship between the two and the character and the story and the progression um, out of the body of a match in this context. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing. Um, we're going to be looking at this match from Battle in the Valley, talking about things that we really like, the areas that may be of concern, and the character information, the, the character uh, work and stuff that was instructive to teach us about who is the Mercedes, who is Mercedes Monet uh, in New Japan and stardom? Who is she and how is she going to um, be a success? Because we're very confident in her capacity and ability and where she's headed. And we think she's the most important person uh, currently in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and so we really want to dive into that. And to be honest, uh, we've seen a lot of discourse and a lot of people critiquing, criticizing, gatekeeping um, her signing uh, on online and particularly on Twitter and Reddit. Uh, and we're looking at sort of offering an alternative take to this and sort of be bringing the wholesome stiff boys approach to this stuff because we see so much potential in her. Um, and yeah, we'll have a, a round of discussion around the areas that we think that She's excelling in the areas that she can improve, but I think fundamentally it comes from a place of, yes, we want to see more of this. And anyone that was watching Battle in the Valley, I hope that you took that away, that she is for this shit. And they delivered what I felt was a really great match. And I'm interested to see what the, the rest of the lads think. Um, but we will do that. And we will do that um, soon. Um, so, yeah, uh, we got to see her at Battle in the Valley. We got to see a great match. We got to see a paired up Vocata at the end. Um and yeah, so listen out for us as we go into a deep dive on the uh, entitled outsider that can't get anyone's names right yet clearly love this shit and is so in her bag in New Japan Pro Wrestling and stardom, uh, Mercedes Monet, uh, the queen to Akata's king. Um, so I'm, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. So listen out, watch your feeds uh, coming soon. Uh, so that's a good segue, uh, obviously to. Okada's uh Okada's big week. He's gone Shingo Tana Kiyomiya. And uh I'm interested in it. Obviously, we talked about Okada being paired up with Sadie at the end. Okada declaring he's going for the tag titles with Tanahashi out of absolute left field. Um I have no I mean, 
what? <laughs> just as a side note. Um, and I love how he just declares that for himself. He's just like, hey, I want to do this. Of course he does, because he's an entitled prick that gets whatever he wants. I'm doing this. And you know what? I might actually go for the juniors belt as well. I mean, that's the thing. The The point of it is that that's so odd because Okada doesn't go for, Carter doesn't go for other titles. It's just odd. I don't I don't know what it is. Mm. I have no idea. Like I'm legitimately baffled because so either Goto or Yoshihashi is gonna beat Tanahashi or like like Bishamon's gonna either beat the fucking dream team, which is the biggest fucking win of their tag career, or Okada and Tanahashi are gonna be on the tag team champions. Like what? Yeah. And they're tagging across the tour. Like what the fuck's going on? I don't know. Anyway, um, it's curious. Chaos is curious. It's just very curious. Let's just be with, with look, we've been we've been noting it. That one's curious. And it continues with how Okada has been booked. And we'll get to a question. I've got a question here from uh the Greg Starts at 50 ML Mafia on Twitter. Do you think this is the end of Okada Kiyomiya? Giga Dick Okada kind of buried it. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so do as we sort of hinted at do we think this is the end definitely not this is this is the start where we're gonna see this is yeah this is the start we are uh, kiyomiya will come back you'll come back and he will defeat him and that's the story right there he'll defeat he has him. to yeah he has to he did and then we're gonna see this obsession brew within him and it's gonna. It may not happen this year. It may not. Ha- you know what I mean? Like it. it mm, I mean, it, may not. it could happen this year. It may, but, but, but at the same time, it could. But I mean, like this is one of those things where it's like they're gonna have in the, the back burner in the background. And yeah, Jesus, it's like no, definitely not. I mean, as, as a wrestling fan, as someone who enjoyed that match so much, no. I mean, I don't want that to be their last match. I want to see oh, that. Man. You know what I mean? I, I would watch that match every week for the next year. This whole thing, this whole thing of Okada and Kiyomiya, and I've heard a lot of the discourse about it, to me is the greatest example of character over story. Of like, I hear a lot of time people talk about storytelling. It's like the biggest thing. It's the biggest buzzword in pro wrestling. I mean, we're a character and storytelling podcast. We talk about it all the time. And this whole stuff that we're hearing across discourse, great, awesome. I'm great to hear it. This bloodline storyline from WWE is, you know, capturing the imagination. Everyone wants to talk about storytelling and pro wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Good. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. What I find interesting about story versus character and what I'm trying to get at is if character development is contained purely within the singular, a singular story, it's all relational. So, like, the growth of a character, the potential of a character is tied into a story so that if you separate them from that narrative, they they the tethers are gone, and they all the inherent like like agency and aspects of character that are relevant in that context are stripped from them. If you prioritize character over story, and you build elements to the character that are not entirely dependent upon one relationship or one story, they allow for the flexibility to move seamlessly through multiple stories without sacrificing development of character, without sacrificing the rationale, the narrative coherence. Without sacrificing the wrestler. Exactly. For the service of the story, right? With Okada, he's doing a Kiyomiya thing here, right? 
Now, from a NOAA perspective, I think NOAA need to look at, you know, making sure they protect Kiyomiya from this point because Kiyomiya in this relationship, his he is in relation to Okada, right? Like he is, like his whole thing is t- telling him in relation. Okada is just like, I'm Kazuchika Okada, right? And everyone knows what that means. So he can have a story with Kiyomiya where he can play the entitled prick because that's above all of this shit. His build-up to this main event was, like, it was expert. Like, no showing the press conference, not doing any advertising, not doing any promotion, not doing anything, because he is above Noah. They are beneath him. These are things that are exactly what Kazuchika Okada would do. It's not a story with him and Kiyomiya. It's just a relationship between him and Kiyomiya. The story is Kiyomiya wants to overcome him. But that's 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 Kiyomiya's story, right? Akada, as a character, is this a has this like beautiful ability to be the catalyst of all of these other people's action because he should be. He's the he's the person they're chasing. But when he gets to actually like change his character a bit, it stands out like dog's balls. Like you're like, holy shit, what's Akada doing? Like he's he looks different, he's working different. And it's noticeable because the character development as a propulsion from his relationship, the story they're telling. So I like that the story services the character rather than the character services in the story. I hope that like that distinction is an important one because it's it allows stories and New Japan has probably gotten really a bit better at it during the pandemic because stories have fucking died in the ass consistently. Mm-hmm. And we saw it with the Finley thing with Jay. Like that's Jay's story died in the ass because he's leaving the territory. So we have to do something. So we rely on character and relationship rather than story. We don't need story that we've been writing for three years. We have character dynamics. So this idea of Giga Dick Akata is fucking great. I'm 100% behind it. And it allows him to be the most dickish in Noah, but he's now opened the door to that, which means that he can't take it back it's become an overt element of his character. So when he comes back to New Japan, people have been saying, I wish he would bring that to New Japan. He already has. Mm. And for people that have been watching, it's there. It's not as overt because it doesn't have to be as overt. And you don't want it to be as overt because he's the face of the fucking company. But for people that are watching, he has changed as a result of Kiyomiya. And for Kiyomiya, like he has to, like this match, and I, I've seen the criticism of it, I understand it. If I'm a Noah fan, I'd be concerned. I'm stunned by how they booked it. I'm stunned mm. because if you're Noah, you got embarrassed. Yeah. Like that's your world champion. They got punked out in 15 minutes by a dude who didn't even care to stay around. Didn't look, didn't look at anyone. Did nope. just didn't do his Okada thing at the end, just got out of the ring, fucking walked off and looked at nobody in the eyes, no. had his nose up at the fans, fucking everybody, production, took no notice of anyone. And, and, and not to mention, too, the amount of trust and knowing his belt that well that he did just put it on his shoulder and kept walking, and that belt did not move once. It's designed for him. Um, but that's what I'm saying, right? Like, that was, if you're Noah, if you're Kiyomiya, like I was, I was making mention of it during the show to, to Dave. It's like saying, like, this is a huge situation for Noah. This is like, 
This is a massive dome. There's 30,000 people in the dome for a Noah show, Noah branded show. But we know that it's Muto that's drawing the house. Muto is going. They need to build stars. And their world champion just got not only like he got like one, two, and up you come. And mm. you think, oh, they're going to give him a host spot. I was like, oh, they're giving him the out. They're giving Okada the clear victory that he is, his ego has inhibited him from taking. And Kiyomiya will get a roll up flash pin. And that's how we can know buried, buried. Like, and not only that, I'm going to do Masawa's move on you. Oh, yeah. what a cunt. And mm. that you can't separate. We talked about it. you cannot separate Okada from New Japan. This is New Japan slapping Noah across the face. The irony is that New Japan, on a New Japan branded show, gave Noah more than they did on a Noah branded show. And it's it was like you get some wins on our shows, but when we go to your house, buddy, we ain't losing. And they didn't <laughs> lose a match. And, and they, I mean, it's quite funny, really. Like. Gato put their booker <laughs> out in like a fucking squash match. <laughs> yeah. He basically said, please take me. And they're like, we will take you, sir. Yeah. Um, and But that's New Japan, in the eyes of Noah, are entitled. They're, they think they are what, a, what New Japan fans are viewing Okada as, right? They are isolationists. They don't care about, like, that's what they perceive them as to be. And they didn't give them any reason to deny that. Like they came out and they did the exact same thing. And in the beauty of the hierarchy, Noah did the same thing to all Japan and Dragon Gate. Like every match yeah. that Noah had that wasn't New Japan, they were punking everyone else out because this is the politics of pro wrestling, right? But the fact they were so explicit in that, they were so clear in that statement that we are better than you suggests that either A, we have to have a story building from this, or B, everyone in the Noah office needs to be sacked. Because you can't do that unless you have confidence and a surety that we have a long-term story at play. And I am confident there is one. Yeah. And because it makes sense, Kiyomiya got a lot on Okada. He beat the shit out of him when at Wrestle Kingdom 17, you know, that he he did. Okada got his his win back and some and humbled the poor kid. Like I felt bad for him. I was like, oh. And the sad thing about Kiyomiya is that's his story. Like, he's constantly, that's happened to him in Noah. So it's like they're building him up as this underdog guy. And ironically, he took the fight to Okada early in that match. Okada was in the back foot like, oh, shit, this guy's bringing the stuff. He did a lot of Okada's spots but one-upped him, you know, doing the the run to the outside but doing the flip and, like, doing everything that mm. to sort of show that he, he, he belonged. He even got a, a flash, like a near pin with the, the Tiger suplex. Like, he got a near four, like a 2.99 that the, the crowd bit on. So there's a, it's, it's enough for Kiyomiya to be able to at least hook to and say, I might have a chance. I just, I just, I mean, I just hope that Noah um, recognize what they have with Kiyomiya. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's, he's been set up to wrestle Jake Lee and I've got, I've got bright lights flashing that they're going to fucking take the belt off him. Um, but that story has to play out. Now, granted, I, I could see it playing. I want it to play out this year. I've said that from the get-go. I think Kiyomiya in the G1 is the, the logical step. Whether it will or not, when asked about it, if he'd give him a rematch, Okada flatly said no and said nothing here to prove. 
There's nothing for me to show. I beat him in under 15 minutes, which is so great. Kia Mia wanted no time limit. They had 30 minutes. He wanted no time limit. And I can't have beat him in the fucking TV title time limit. Like, <laughs> it's just, it has to be a story. Because if it isn't, as as Greg starts has said, Giga Dick Okada kind of buried him. And it's like, he kind of did. Um, so it has to be the comeback. And these two guys are quite young. I mean, Kia Mia is very young, 26, 27. Okada's still mid-30s. That's the that's a rivalry you can repeat and re- revisit, and it in, invariably with Okada as Tanahashi and Kimura as Okada, you know, and just who's going to be the ace of Japanese pro wrestling, you know? I think that's a that's a story. And to be fair, Okada is the best. That's his, how he's presented to the fans. That's the fans believe him, and they don't see like here's the thing. Like, let's be real. Noah is where Noah is. New Japan is where New Japan is. So. Noah's world champion versus New Japan's world champion. New Japan's world champion, percept from kayfabe, you know, house size of company, prestige. New Japan's champion should be above. Yeah, yeah, he should, they should be above Noah's champion. The ultimate story is eventually Noah reaching that level, and Kia Mia bringing them with them, whilst Okada represents New Japan. And the key with the key is the the long term story is being able to raise Noah without lowering New Japan. And if they can do that, they can raise the arc without lowering New Japan, then Japanese pro wrestling is in a much better position. That's what they have to do. And those two guys are going to be the front for it. So, but oh, I felt like the arc sunk after that finish. I was like, oh, mm. they lowered quite a bit for that one. I'm, I'm just curious where Okada goes. That's all I'm, I'm, I just, this, this heel thing is interesting and I'm not, I was confident last week, but this Finley stuff has got me thinking a little. Oh, are they going to go heel, or are they just going to have a Carter as the entitled one? You know, I think that might be the way they're going. That's the story they're telling as New Japan recognizes how their what their perhaps their public perception is, and a Carter's going to embody that. You know, I think at this point in the the way it's playing out, that's a, that's a, it's fair. I think. I never expected Kiyomiya to get a win here, not even like a flash sort of out of nowhere win. Uh, but did you expect that though, Dave? No. No, but I I, I liked it. Mm, <laughs> me too. I liked it because I think that to do that, you get the to to humble Kiyomiya that way, to bury him that way is how you'll get the most growth out of him. And he may well lose his title as a result of that um, and have to build himself back up. And, and I watched the video with, that Karen did about Kiyomiya and talking about how he has sort of like emulated his heroes and, you know, uh, you know, Muda and, and other champions that he's faced, you know, throughout his time at NOAA mm-hmm. and that he's always, you know, and she said, oh, and he's now he's kind of, he's finally becoming himself and realizes that in order for him to be, 
the guy, he has to be him and not try to be anyone else. Mm. This whole story is not really what the narrative that has been told about Kiyomi of late. It's it's been that, you know, when he was in New Japan for that match, it was like he wants to be Okada. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't ended for him. And, you know, there is, you know, the similarities are there. He's sort of seen as like, you know, the second coming almost like Okada too, you know. Yep. Uh, you know, the young phenom and a young champ. And it's clear, like, from the way he's spoken about Okada in the past, you know, the reverence that he's had for him, the wanting to get a singles match, the wanting his attention. I think that story of Kiyomiya becoming Kiyomiya is still a story that it's not ended. It's still a story that he's going to tell over the next period of time. Whether it happens between now, whether he's in the G1 or not, I'm not sure. I would love that. I would love for that story to sort of happen this year. Um, But I kind of feel like but by being debased like that and that that will trigger a bit of growth whoever he truly is his authentic self in some way to come out i think that's the story it is it possible i like this okada a lot and I, i've liked the movement to this the black trunks the the entire like the the arrogance and he's he had that in the past we've seen it in the past on his great run he was quite arrogant but this is another level of dismissive and confidence of I belong here at the summit where none of you else belong. Um, with Key and Mia, he's got this perfect example of this person well below him. And he did he did carry maybe not so much in the Tana match, but he did carry that into the Shingo match. He had that same kind of cocky arrogance. Oh, he kicked Tana in the head when he's on the ground. Like it, it was a little yeah. stuff where he's like, come on, get up, come on. And it was like everyone's that that Tana match was almost like we're playing the hits. Look how far you've fallen versus yeah. where I am. It was the most dom. It was a quick match. It was like twenty yeah, minutes, yeah. And it was a very dominant p- performance to almost say like, look, you know, yeah, Tana was the guy. He's not the guy anymore. I'm I'm the guy. But but, and I I watched the the Wrestle Kingdom documentary behind the scenes stuff. It was all about Anoki, right? And some really great insights. Tanahashi talking about how he doesn't have fighting spirit. Everyone else has fighting spirit, but I don't. That's what makes me different. Like he's talking about he doesn't because he doesn't want to be Anoki. Everyone else wants to be like Anoki. I don't. Um, Wrestle more like me. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. He, which makes him the most Anoki of all of them. You know. Yeah. Like, um, but the what what I loved and at the moment it actually caught me and actually like it really got to me like you know interesting space that sort of caught me by surprise was they showed a clips of Jay for one. And I was like, Oh, I'll see you Jay. When he was talking about how he's like a Noki and that you'll never, you won't rec- recognize what he has done until well after his time. Like you won't realize what I have achieved and what I'm going to do and what my grand vision is until much later, like 50 years, like what we see of what new Japan is now. Like a Noki stepped out and did this stuff and people criticized him and they did it. But it's like in time he was proven you know, right. And so that was an interesting little little nugget. But what I liked about it, in the main event, they had footage of from inside the ring and they were getting like behind the scenes footage. And as they're firing up for that fighting spirit spot, 
you know, Okada turns to Jay and is like yelling, Jay, Jay, and then says to him, let's show them New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then Jay fucking fires up and lets like, let's go. And it was like this moment of, of this sense of true respect in terms of what each had a, a, a vision of what New Japan Pro Wrestling is. But I think they both agree on the, the battle in the ring and what they're trying to achieve is trying to demonstrate to the world that New Japan Pro Wrestling is the best. Like Okada firmly believes that. He believes New Japan Pro Wrestling, importantly in his image, is the best pro wrestling. And that hasn't changed. But it's just when put against Kiyomiya, is turned up to like 11 because it's in opposition to something that's not New Japan Pro Wrestling. Not mm. just like a foreign heel or like some... It's something completely aberrant. It's something in opposition. So it stands out really stark that his belief in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which other guys hold, but for Okada, it's like his character is like, I'm the best in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm the best pro wrestler on the planet. So if I'm the best doing this thing, it's the best. And as long as I'm here, we're the best. Like it's that kind of thinking. And that's what Jay wanted to adopt. It's what Naito believes, you know, like... All of those guys kind of believe it, but Okada has a vision for what he thinks it is that is very, like, it's very Okada, and there's no other way to put it. It's like very Okada of, like, very stoic, very strict, very, like, like we talk about formulaic. It's like his his view of that. So what I like is I think the Kiyomiya story may happen this year. I don't think it necessarily will, but there's a parallel story happening with Will Ospreay. Because Will Ospreay is doing that same thing of I used to I idolized you. You were my big brother. I was under you. I wanted to be you. All I want is a singles match with you. And I've had multiple chances and you have humbled me multiple times on the biggest stage that there is. So for me, it feels like Okada's gonna tell that same narrative from a character relational standpoint with Osprey. Build that, and then you get to take this same awesome character we've seen, turn it down a little bit in the New Japan context because it won't stand out as quite as stark because of the comparative, but it'll still be the same character beats. Keep that narrative going. If Osprey beats him, okay, and maybe that's what he needs to happen. Osprey beats him in a year's time. Akata's free of a belt. Kiyomi is still looking for the thing. Wrestle Kingdom, we keep the next year's when they do that Wrestle Kingdom Night 3 or in Wrestle Kingdom again, for two years straight, it's been Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan versus Noah. It makes perfect sense to start it again. And this time, Kimi is coming for Okada after Okada has been humbled by a very similar narrative. So it's like he's weakened. So I can see them kickstarting it into the new year, but Okada keeping that same character type throughout the rest of the year as he's basically proclaiming, let's show them New Japan Pro Wrestling. And every person he steps to, has to be somebody that embodies New Japan Pro Wrestling in, in in his eye or doesn't live up to what he thinks New Japan Pro Wrestling should be. So guys like Taichi and Sonata are interesting and I think could make great opponents because they're not New Japan per se, yeah, yeah. but they are but they've demonstrated that they they've committed to New Japan. So it's almost like we'll prove that this is New Japan Pro Wrestling. Prove to me that you are at that level. And until someone demonstrates that as a baby face to you know to be be able to live up to the ideals of New Japan Pro Wrestling, no one's going to beat him. 
So I think that that's kind of the babe, the ultimate baby face is the person who's, I'm the ultimate New Japan pro wrestler. And I think that Osprey, as the guy's going to adapt all the styles and build that stuff through, is going to do that. And then it sets him up for to just seamlessly move across to Kiyomiya. So I, I don't know if we're going to get Kiyomiya this year. I hope we do. But I think we're going to get him soon. And we'll just keep this Okada character going forward. I hope we see more of it because... I like it. I think it's I think it's a breath of fresh air and whatever it's doing to chaos, I have no idea. And it's the most fresh Okada's been in since I mean the first that first run maybe. It's very exciting. It is bloody exciting because we got one hell of a match. And if there's more coming up like down the line, I mean, right now, like this is we're seeing the version of Okada that in my personal opinion is my absolute favorite when he is that entitled heel. Sort of character. It's a new dimension to what we got years ago, of course. But at the same time, this is my absolute peak favorite Okada. It's just the the guy who was entitled. I am New Japan. You can't beat me. I'm going to defeat you. And it's believable. It's 100% believable that when Okada steps into a ring against anyone, he's not going to lose. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing is that when he takes on anyone, if he, you know, we got whoever he's taking on next, I genuinely don't believe that he's going to lose like that's the main thing like he's not Mm. going to lose to anyone for quite some time we're back to the Okada run where he has at 20 10 defenses in a year or whatever like that's not going to happen sorry but um (laughs) you know what I mean like uh that's the main thing this is a nuanced version of the old school Okada that I just I'm all aboard for right now just sign me up because whoever (laughs) dethrones Okada will be propelled to another level okay but not the same level Okada's on a very very distinct different level to everyone else right now yeah mm. and I think this that match with Kimi I think that's like an appetizer I don't think that's the main meal no I think that's coming and I and uh there's a there'll be a there'll be a shift as a result with Kimi it has to be he has to be the one that he has to be the one that that levels up to get to Okada Okada yeah. doesn't have to move and that's why I'm saying I don't think a card is going to move. Kiyomi could well end up going on his own Okada run through Noah. And, you know, they need, like you said, they now Mudo's gone. They need stars. They need to build stars. And New Japan's proved that one of the best ways to, to build a company is off the back of strong champions. Mm. But Dave, it's a tough way to start. It's a tough way to start the strong champion archetype when it's in the back of everyone's mind. Yeah, but it's is Okada a special case where people? Yeah, I think so. I think because it's Okada and because Kiyomi is so young, there's you can give him some leeway, and mm. particularly if you see that growth in him as a result. Mm. Yeah, if he comes in and starts beating people up quickly. Yeah, like Noah's. Yeah, like if he gets a bit nasty too as a result, like yeah. I'm uh, like I'm fucking pissed now. Yeah, you know, I'm more pissed. I thought I was angry before. Now it's something different. But yeah, uh, like I'm I'm interested to see which direction Noah goes with it. Otherwise, you just uh, put him in against Nakajima and have Nakajima take the title and keep me build up along along the no, yeah you, Dave, <laughs> i don't want to break your heart with noah booking here but i get it i get it i mean you can't you're, trust you're turning into it. every noah fan you're turning into every noah fan where it's like please give the belt to nakajima please give the belt to keno it's like it's... I, I agree with what you're saying there dave that would be a really cool character development if like 
He was embarrassed in the Tokyo Dome in front of all mm. these people with the last mm. match of Muta, and it just triggers this thing. Like he's seen that's what a champion is. That's mm-hmm. what it is. That's how you carry yourself. And if he just goes on a tear and just does, you know, not decimates, but just has compelling, great matches where he's winning over, over, and over. Well, you know, like the, the the story he told was, oh, you know, in that tag match was like you, you aren't giving me respect by not even looking at me i'm going to force you to look at me but mm. by kicking you in the fucking face mm. he gets he gets uh, embarrassed as a result well i mean another option now is to force okada to look at him by elevating his game so that he earns respect yeah, or earns the see. There's no incentive for Ricardo to wrestle him, so that's how I've always viewed it. As he has to elevate himself so that he earns the right to enter the G1. Yeah, that's how I've always viewed it, and he gets to be in the Grade One climax with all the best in the world because he has earned the the right. Now I understand how no offense would perceive that. I, under, I granted the optics aren't great in terms of elevating to to be to get to the level of Yujiro Takahashi, but like the idea of you know what I'm saying, like it's. Yeah, yeah. They're telling a story. They're telling a story, and it's similar to what we talk about with Mercedes. Like, yeah, people can be frustrated with Noah fans that oh, we're getting these New Japan people coming in, but if the goal is to ultimately have Kiyomiya beat Okada at one at some point, if that's the goal, like you got to be happy with that. Like that's going to make the guy. What it, it might be a year of pain or two, but if he can beat Kazuchika Okada. And then mm. go back. And look, fuck, no one needs to look after Kiyomiya because New Japan will fucking snap him up if they, yeah. they don't treat him well. Yeah, and that's the thing. So I feel like that's a situation where, um, yeah, I think the story is inbuilt and we have to trust. I know it's it's interesting. Like, it's one of the more complex cross-promotional long-term story. It's a long-term story between two promotions. Lots of things can happen between two promotions. So it's it's a lot of trust happening here. Out of this match, it might have been a squash match, but I can guarantee there are fans now, like ourselves, who will keep an eye on Kia Mia and see what's happening within Noah now. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's fucking great. Yeah, for sure. But I don't think I don't necessarily think it's off the back of this match. I think it's off the back of the original angle that the interest is there. If you were catching him for this match and this match alone, without any context, probably not a lot of incentive to check out Kia Mia. You're like, he's good, but they're clearly not at the level. So kayfabe wise, I'm saying, um, but the angle was so strong. The angle was so strong that I think that you, you know, more is coming from it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I'm a new Japan fan and I know I'll definitely be keeping tabs on Kiyomiya and seeing what's happening. Yeah, for sure. And that's, it feels like, it feels like, and this is probably a good segue into the Mudo show. It feels like Japanese pro wrestling post pandemic now is returning to what Japanese pro wrestling used to be. Mm. Um, and that's cross-promotional. Yeah, I mean, this felt like Noah's forbidden door. Mm. Like, it's had all sorts of crazy stuff going on. It was great. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's got that show of the year vibe where it's like this just feels like everything's hitting, everything's different, everything's unique. You've got big time story matches you've got stories coming out of matches you've got a great production you've got you know yeah the production uh, level was fucking insane yeah. noah noah are great yeah um and they always have been you know the amount of money they invest in their production has has not changed um as i said i mean i've said it for a while about noah as a sleeping giant you know they are 
it's just their booking has hampered them by you know putting olds on top and and relying upon nostalgia to mm. drive interest. And I mean, let's be real, they fucking use nostalgia to drive interest here too. Yeah, but what they did do as a result is use nostalgia to drive interest, but everything under it was pretty strong, you know. Mm. Yeah. And other than how they placed their champion, but that was, I mean, against fucking Okada, even their junior champion. That was against Hiromu, like, and I would say that that match was much more competitive. Yeah, like, and and that's not over either. Nah. So there's a lot of stuff that gives you, you know, I mean, Hiromu after Muxa to join Lij. What the fuck's going on there? <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. They're gonna either they're gonna have to they're gonna have to create some room. I think Bushi might be <laughs> off you go. I feel like there's going to be some real movement. I really do. Like, there's going to be some movement. Guys are going to be leaving the territory. Bushi, like, if all Japan's getting good or, like, getting some investment and getting some interest, it makes sense. This, like, Nagata's the champion over there. Like, yeah. what? But, like, this is the world we're living in right now is we've got people going left, right, and center. We've got people going across promotions to go and to get reps and to be seen and to work and to get high-profile positions. Like, if Bushi went to All Japan, he could be their junior champ tomorrow, you know? Like, that's yeah. what they would do. And it's, again... He might know, even buy it. <laughs> he could, yeah. Get some of that get, get some of that restaurant money and take over All Japan. But not to mention, like, how many brand-new guys we got to see last night, and girls, for that matter, too, but just how many mm-hmm. brand-new wrestlers we got to see, you know, in the Tokyo Dome put on an absolute spectacular show. Like, there were cross-promotions, DDT, Noah, New Japan... Uh, all Japan, uh, Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate. Yeah, I mean, like there were so many guys that I've personally never seen before, but I want to see more of them. We have the Junior All Star thing coming up soon, and I mean, like, sign me up. Like March first. Yep, that's going to yeah. be ridiculous. Um, mm. but yeah, you find people like uh, like I said, yeah, I was... boy in that hey? match. Mao, Yeah, Mao. Smooth. Smooth. Oh, Mao. oh, Mao was great. I, yeah, I noticed yeah. Mao, the second he walked out, the intensity, he was the last one to walk out, and he had this complete intensity in his eyes as he walked out. But I was like, ooh, that guy's got something. It was the way he moved. Yeah. He just Insane. moved Unlike, differently. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of like a parkour guy or something, like the way he was fucking landing and shit. I'm like, that dude's like a cat. Yeah, <laughs> everything was perfect, and then he does then he does his comedy like the flying fist and like oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like DDT's in the house. He's gonna be in that that uh, all star junior thing. Fuck yeah. that was what I was doing last night. Every time I spotted a boy, I went to Twitter to see is this boy in the all star junior. And it was like it was great. It was like yeah, yes Skywalker. they are, yeah. yes they are. Like yeah, shouldn't Skywalker's there? Yes, he's in. I was like fuck yes. And just I was just going through to make sure that these boys are gonna we're gonna see more of these boys because like this is exciting. Like I was stunned by how much one Mudo booked this, and it's like nothing in the character and the history and the personality of Keiji Muto gave us any indication that he would be so generous. <laughs> like I was like He's he was like he used this as a true love letter to pro wrestling. Mm. I was stunned by how great the show was. I expected good production. I expected good showcase of pro wrestling. 
I was there for the Kiyomiya Okada. Like that 100% told mm. me definitely like I am getting the show. I'm watching the show. But the undercard showcases, the stories, the the the, the level of that, that meant so much to so many of these people, like the Tokyo Joshi Pro Girls to be working 30,000 people when literally I'm hearing stories of them working in front of 70 people. Mm. Like, and to see them in that stage and to get that opportunity and to realize that for some of these people, this will be the only chance in the dome, you know, that this is a big mm. stage and that it's being shared so openly in celebration of Keiji Muto. Um, and we should have hinted to where Muto was going that night in terms of he was he was giving everything to everyone. It was like everyone wants something. Except Muto. He wasn't giving him a roll call. <laughs> no, none of that shit. Uh, we'll get to that. Don't worry. But the idea of that of that card and what it's a signaled for Japanese pro wrestling. If you're a Japanese pro wrestling fan, if you're a Puro fan, these first two months of the year have been elite. Like you have gotten the best stuff. Like the best stuff in world wrestling is happening in Japan right mm. now. And I don't think and like I don't think anyone can argue with that statement. They are hitting. Yeah. They are hitting. Just think of what has happened in the first two months of this year in Japan. And we're mm. about to have another massive junior crossover festival thing. Who knows what the fuck's going to be booked on that? Hiromu's booking it, so... Again, anyone might win. Yeah. Like, we're going to have a place where, like, we're living in a world where we're going to have, like, like June Kasai is going to be there. Like, I just think that's... we got, like, people from... Fucking six 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 are gonna be there. Like Basara is gonna be there. This is the most indie mixed with wait, the wait. most elite. June, June Kasai and Desperado are both gonna be there. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I, I I tell you what, one of my favorite underrated features about the last love of the Noah show last night. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it briefly before. Was the intermissions? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, sign me up. I you know I need a break. Walk <laughs> away. You know what reminded me of. UFC cards. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like we got the early prelims and the main prelims and the yeah. undercard. A couple of early knockouts and you get like a break. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. felt like a UFC card. It felt like a big fight kind of card. You got those nice breaks in between. Um, some of them were weird in the sense like, but they were they were thematic. Like each section was a section, you know, they were building a theme. And the commentary talked about that too, like the levels of the card. Yeah. So it's really considered, and as I said, like I felt like, I mean, to be honest, I think I've seen the best trios match of the year, and it would be very hard for someone to top it, which was the All Japan versus Noah, yeah, Congo yeah. versus oh, Kenobi Ahara. Oh, good. That was so good. There was about eighty-four stories happening. Yeah, I didn't and, understand a single one of them. And they started off with Nakajima and uh, Miyahara. Oh. Yeah. So I mean, I, yeah, put them I mean, both in a, the G one. <laughs> yeah, I know you're trying to get everyone in the G1. I'm like, Dave, that's not how it works. Oh, look, there's um, fucking four or five spots at least. No. Well, here's the thing. Let's start small. Let's get Ken Amihara in the end one over in Noah. And like yeah. if and as I said to you, Noah and all Japan have much richer rivalry history, you know, yeah. in terms of I mean, fucking Noah is there because they fucking egg roll oh, and yeah, yeah. escape from all Japan. And that idea of the Miyahara and Nakajima thing, they have incredible chemistry. It's yeah. just, they were 
They might fucking hate each other, but they're great and great against each other. They are. They may they may legit shoot, want to kill one another, but that's pro wrestling in a nutshell. We hate one another, but we can make money together. So let's put that to the side here. <laughs> but I, I you got it, but it felt real because Miyahara is feeling it out with Nakajima. And you can feel the nervous tension of like Yeah, because he knows how dangerous it is yeah. and might happen. Yeah. It's like and he's like getting a feel for his energy. Like, where's where's Nakajima where's here tonight? Nakajima yeah. Where's he at tonight? And it was like, I might just tag out. There's a, there's a risk here that it might get real. <laughs> yeah, you just you just feel that because you, you see how like he like fucking yeah. Nakajima did a like a leg fake and Mihara is like legit. We're like, whoa shit. <laughs> just to get ready. Because you never know. And but and I said to Dave and we were sort of talking, it was like, you're like, oh, are they teasing a singles match here? Because that their first interaction is off the tag and they don't really interact very much. They don't wrestle at all. They sort of just dance around one another a few leg kicks and they sort of like okay maybe they are but they were teasing a singles match that was about to happen in about six minutes so they're just waiting for the actual singles match that was going to happen in the middle of this match yeah and when they return to have that match it is bonkers good like it's like holy shit i have heard nothing but the best things about kento mihara the ace of all japan pro wrestling yeah and I felt good for him that he's coming out in front of thirty thousand, and he felt like he belonged there. He's a he's a, a like a Melter boy. Melter talked about him a lot. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I it's interesting. I, I forgot to mention, but Melter had some really great stuff this week, and I, I'll, I'll put a little segment. It might be my might be the cold open of Melter's feedback on this week in wrestling because it <laughs> felt like Melter has Melter's Melter could be the fourth stiff boy the way that he was talking this week. I was like, what's going on? He had a change of heart. I don't know what was he's happening. With... Actually started watching Japanese wrestling again. <laughs> yeah, I think he has. I think he's yeah. well see they he had to it was in San Jose, so he had to he went to the New Japan show live. So that yeah. helped. <laughs> so it was like, oh I'm, I'm actually here live. Um he loved Finley's stuff. He loved yeah. it. Um he said real heat. You don't get real heat very often. He's like, oh what an angle. What an angle. And he was and he talked, Dave, he said Jay White is the best. I was like, oh, now. And it took fucking <laughs> how many now. years? It's taken, yeah. it's taken you five years. He's yeah. on the way out of the territory and you're finally giving his flowers. Thanks for that, Dave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, I'm not arguing with you, Dave, but I'm just saying it took you long enough to come around. Um, yeah. So great insights from Meltzer this week. Um, he loves Kenta Miyahara. So yeah, he does talk about him a lot um, because he just recognizes what like what that guy does in such a small platform. I was literally talking to Lewis um, at Lewis 6562923535 Hideki Suzuki's purple trunks. Um, he asked a question this week. We'll get to it next week when we do our New Japan Cup preview. I think that that will work better next week. Um, we'll put it there because we're going, we're going way over time for tonight, but we will put it there. But I was talking to him about All Japan because he's an All Japan fan. Oh, awesome. And he was encouraging and like saying like oh you know i'll help you out you know i was like i was like yeah i was like after watching this guy holy fuck like in sawama i was like these guys are pretty fucking good and i was like yeah okay like i've i've got a list of things i have to get into for japanese pro wrestling but i'm interested in checking out you know those especially crossovers because i won't hide the fact that i'm a new japan fan i like new japan stories and like how my stories relate to new japan yeah but I don't want to be one of those people that, oh, here we go. It's going to be in trouble. But I don't want to be one of those people like the AEW fans are like, well, how does this relate to AEW? 
And like yeah. anytime I see someone, I was like, and that's why I was joking with you, Dave, like get him the G1s. Like, let's not be those people because yeah. you don't want to be those people. It's like, let them have their thing. Yeah. And I mean, that only, when I say that, that's only because of how special the G1 is. But, but the end, but fuck the N1, yeah. I'm going to watch that this year. It's also, why can't we, rather than say, how can this help AEW storylines, how can the G1 be transformed to be what it once was? Like G1 was the grade one, the super J cup. The, these were tournaments for the best in the world to come yeah. to. Not just the best in new Japan pro wrestling, the best in the world. And we're not talking 20 years ago. We're talking like the year that Nakajima and Marafuji were in it. And Marafuji beat Okada. We were watching back then because we watched that Okada. Like that was 2016. That was the Shibata return era. That was, Noah in, was in the G1. They were crossing over. And the Super Juniors back then had all these random people from all over the place. That was what they were doing as they were growing up. And when they got to their point of, you know, their big elite spot that New Japan got to, they started to become a bit isolationist. And they started to try to be like, well, we can do it all on our own. We don't need anyone else. And that was, it, it allowed them to foster this, you know, culture of really strong, clear stories. But it, but it ultimately didn't sustain, you know, because you, you're not getting that, that cycling of talent. And the and they were able to do it by having connections with Ring of Honor and all that sort of stuff that they could cultivate, CMLL. But once the pandemic hit, it stopped. So they've had to revert back to the old days, which is great. And so, yeah, I'm for that. I just don't think we need to sign. Like, I just don't want to be one of those people like, no, Kento Miyahara, be the ace of all Japan, but have the opportunity to wrestle Nakajima at a at either a Noah show or at an all, like help the business of each company and represent yeah. your company. Like, I want Kaido Kiyomiya to get and beat Okada. I hope he does it representing Noah, and I hope that they can use that to to help Noah lift up, and I hope that they can rise without New Japan falling. And I just think that New Japan can position themselves to help those companies, and the same way that Muto positioned his retirement to help those people. Let's not be, let's be honest. It was a fucking New Japan classics. Like, Muto basically played New Japan, the history of New Japan in a Noah. Like, the only thing that was Noah at the end of that fucking thing was the the stage like yeah. it, they had tiger tory in their reference for fuck's sake like oh, that's what i'm i'm opining for i want what muto demonstrated is possible in japanese pro wrestling and i feel like we need to get more of it and we need if we want to do the g1 yeah bring those guys in and allow them to showcase themselves and hopefully bring people back to their product yeah. but I, I think it's just a clear distinction to say like, i just i want i want to see new japan be stronger and tell richer stories and have better guys working there, you know, deeper roster, but not at the expense of other promotions in that space. You want the industry in the country to be built. Yeah. And so I feel like the easy argument, I just don't like the argument of like, oh, what does this mean for AEW or like? Yeah. and But I think a show like that, I mean, and it's, and I think it's poignant that it was on Noah. Yeah. It's like the context of like the the like I said like sort of like Noah's Forbidden Door, all these different companies working uh, under that umbrella. You know the, the weird the weird visual of seeing Tetsuya Naito walk out at the Tokyo Dome, with fucking Noah written over his yeah. head. Like, and you know what the interesting part about that day was having to accept in your own mind that from a production and standpoint, it was like it was better. Oh, yeah, fuck. It was better. Like 
stage. Yeah. Mm. And the, the presentation of Okada and of Naito yeah. was better. And Tokyo Dome, holy shit. That was fucking insane. They got one shot at the Dome and they didn't fucking miss. Fucking and nailed. I hope that New Japan office are sitting back going, okay, next time, yeah. pull our finger out. Otherwise, these guys, you know, can get to that. And that's that's what you want. And I, as a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast, we we can say that without saying, oh, you know, we you don't have to shit on Noah. Like, that's yeah. not the point. It's about recognizing what they do well and acknowledging that and hoping that New Japan can adopt some of those things to improve. But not hoping that Noah will diminish in those things, you know. Hoping that um, yeah, you know, Noah takes away maybe some some booking strategies from <laughs> yes. New Japan, right? Because I want to see those great characters be built up. Because clearly, there's interesting guys like Keno and fucking Nakajima, and you know all these great guys that uh, were on that show. That's I said, if they can learn lessons from one another and share, just share the love, that would be ideal. I'm going to watch All Japan at some point over the next few weeks because of Mihara over there. Like, I want to check out. I want to check out that fucking match he had with Blue Justice. Apparently, it was a banger. So. Apparently, it's second best match of the year. Everyone that saw it said it's great. I'm like, yeah. Eddie Kingston was raving about it. I'm like, okay, well, fucking, I better go watch it. And and it feels good to be part. Like, it feels like we're in a position where it's like, for so long, like New Japan didn't want that, right? They didn't want Western interests to get to a point of taking away eyes from their product. But now they're so comfortable in what their identity is as the leader of that, the only global company. They are doing things differently to Noah. Like they have a different philosophy than Noah, and they have a inbuilt track record. Like. This is a huge event. Everyone's like, wow, it's the biggest event. And they had this massive build-up and this huge nostalgia and everything. And it drew just over 3,000 more than Wrestle Kingdom did with a, a sort of a weak main event. Like, let's be real. Like, it wasn't the greatest build for Wrestle Kingdom. So New Japan is like, we had a poor Wrestle Kingdom year and you had the biggest event you've ever had and you're only, you've got that three. And you and as Mudo said, and we'll get to it, you know, when he announced the Naito match, they sold 5,000 tickets. It's like the next day we sold 5,000 tickets as soon as I announced Tetsuya Naito was going to be on the card. So it's like New Japan know that they're they're the draws yeah. but rather than just say, no, no, don't look over there. They're saying, no, no, let's, let's, let's leverage this. Let's, let's, let's mm-hmm. use this because it's an opportunity for us to, uh, I think by comparison, they have faith and confidence in their brand. That's to me is a confident position to take. It's not an isolationist. It's not, I'm scared of them. It's we're confident in them. And granted, we have the booking power to basically get what we want. It opens up the doors big time for such a positive future going forward. Like, as you said before, we have the G1 coming up. If we have Noah and other guys from, you know, all Japan, DDT, whatever, coming over and competing in the G1 as well, like that's the positivity of what that particular Noah show did the- last night is that it just opens up this possibility of like, oh, mm. I'd love to see that guy take on this guy. And all these dream matches start to form and go. Like, we got a dream yeah. match in Hiromu and... um and Amaksa. Yeah, we got a... It was a dream match I wasn't aware of. Yeah. So see, it, that's the thing. These are not dream matches in isolation. These are story-driven. Like, these are character relation matches. So that's, that's where I keep getting a hint. This is not like a one-off, once-a-year exhibition Forbidden mm. Door thing. This is yeah. a consistent attempt to connect 
the promotions across Japan for the betterment of the promotions across Japan. And well, it might get to the point when the actual Forbidden Door is coming up, and New Japan's just like, "Well, we're good. we're good, we're good, you guys. Do your thing over there. Like, hey, do a do a Ring of Honor versus AEW storyline. <laughs> well, good. they'll they'll see the benefit of that from a Western perspective because that's the benefit they have. The other companies don't. Yeah, I felt like um the crowd was pretty New Japan at an at a yeah. Noah show too. I felt but... that too. Yeah, the Kojima pop was pretty instructive. I also felt it was New Japan from 1996. You know what I mean? Like it felt like it felt like New Japan old fans. But I but I I get the sense that because the quality of the show was so good that you'll have a lot of those fans that were at least in the building and you know you know I'm talking from my personal experience. I have interest in going to watch the other brands' products. Yeah, off the back of that, so. 100%. Which is uh, interesting, I don't Dave, think because I don't think that's a negative that that they had no. a, a strong contingent of New Japan fans mm. there off the back of Tetsuya Naito and Okada getting booked there and Hiromu and different guys. But here's the thing: I think they did two things. I think New Japan is confident in their 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 product, right? So when they on a New Japan show, they're confident that their audience love New Japan and will not leave New Japan for other companies. They may adopt other companies as part of their yeah. pro wrestling consumption, but they will not leave new japan in the pursuit of that so but when they go to noah's brand they are they're trying to attract fans that they can take in the same way that noah when noah did the new japan noah card noah got a lot of wins and got a lot of showcase for their guys remember like all the matches when they were congo versus lij though even when congo lost the match they took 90 percent of it until the end so they were showcasing noah people to their new japan audience it felt like it was the reverse here where it was like New Japan is going to dominate in this context because they want to try to attract fans that aren't just their fans, but other fans to New Japan Pro Wrestling. So it's like a give and take in that context in the different. So it's like when Noah is on New Japan, they get more. When New Japan's on Noah, New Japan get more. It seems like it's kind of that relationship. I kind of like that. I like that approach. Yeah, that's how I read it. Yeah, I thought yeah, that that was too. kind of the way that it was looked at. Um People looked at it as like New Japan trying to slap their dick across, you know, the thing's face. But I felt like, well, Noah won a bunch on the Wrestle Kingdom card. Like it yeah. was, you know, um, so I, I didn't yeah, take Yeah, even the ones they didn't win, they, yeah, they would won over a lot of fans. So Yeah, they were, they were showcased, you know. Can I just point out, I don't know if you guys got this too, but it was actually refreshing to hear Naito get booed. Like when he was going for the knee of Muto and stuff like that, and hearing him get booed, that was well, he spat in his face. Yeah, like yeah. that. That that stuff to me was just like that was refreshing. Because don't get me wrong, I'm the biggest Naito mark in the world, but that was I liked that. That was music to Naito's ears. I know yeah, that, he was fucking loving that. Yes, like that's what I mean. Like that was like I just for me, I just I loved hearing him get booed. It was just I enjoyed it. It sets us up perfectly with a segue, Red, to the final discussion point, really, of this is Naito versus Muto, the mo- the actual match that that was the big talking point. Uh, I, I can I can honestly say, leading to the, the match, I had expectations um, that weren't very high. Can we just start with how the match opened? I did it my way, Frank Sinatra. Yep. Oh, baby, let's, I mean, hey, you want to, it's, without knowing much about Muto, and all that kind of stuff. Like I didn't watch him in WCW and I've only really, you know, come in to know him in the, the later stages of, of my wrestling life. But knowing 
and this is not meant in a bad way, just knowing the guy has a big ego. And, you know, and yeah, and, and there's, this is not the guy's a legend, so yeah, but you know. he, yeah he's got a legendary ego. Let's be, let's be real. <laughs> but I mean, like, just to have that Frank Sinatra song, but then when it started to kick to Tetsuya Naito and it kicked into a punk Japanese version of the song, I mean, when they're talking about Naito and everything, I loved that. I thought, mm-hmm. thought that was absolutely brilliant the way they did that entire VTR, the way they did that. Yeah, just awesome. Again, their production was elite. Yeah. And then to go into the intros, and Naito wore the Arios, uh, the cape, and, uh, you know, this. And then the fans, hearing the fans at Tokyo Dome go, Naito, Naito, like it just, you get goosebumps, you know? I, I was like saying, Red, it was like the entrance of like Jesus came out and then God appeared. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like, it was like, that's what it felt like. Naito got this insane reaction, like, wow, look at Naito the star coming out. And then, holy shit, Muto ascends. Not doesn't come off, the whole stage ascends as Muto just <laughs> stands there. Oh, my God. God has arrived. And then for the whole thing of, like, going through all the entrances of Muto, like, the history, mm-hmm. the, the, mu- cool. the museum we got to be a part of with that one and all it's and like, a museum of music yeah. how many that dude had. Yeah. of how many officers have he pissed off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just i i just thought that was absolutely fucking brilliant i mean wow what a way to just just this you know what i mean like all those songs going and then finally when his actual song hits i loved hearing the nwo part and the crowd were like nwo that's right yeah and all that, just the, the the absolute history of that. So history, that's the big thing, yeah. And it's just the goosebumps that I had for that entire spectacle of it all, regardless of what the match. And the match was great. I actually really liked it. Oh, yeah, match. so did I. Oh, fuck yeah, <laughs> it was great. Awesome. But then, but then also too, like I, you know, it's weird. I I've only seen a handful of Chono songs. Sorry, Chono matches, but I knew that Chono song. And so when <laughs> I when I heard Chono songs like hit, I was just like. We hear it at every G one final. Like it's China China always gets comes out there every time to like he's it's so great to see him. I was like, Oh, here he comes. Cause that's a big thing. Like that's a huge thing. Like the two musketeers are here, you know? Like uh, I'm sorry, I'm just um, I was just no, no. I, the pageantry was unrivaled. This is that I love that fucking shit and I was getting goosebumps and I was just like mm. fuck yeah, but like when I it was the point when Nido first went for Muda's knee. And the crowd were like, you fucking dickhead. Like, they booed him. I was like, ooh. <laughs> and then he saw Naito's eye. Like, ah. And he's like, then fluffs his hair. And he saw his receding hairline. And he fluffs it back. And mm. I was like, Naito, Naito is here, baby. Mm. Mm. I mean. Is it is it the greatest match that consisted of three moves and a rest spot you've ever seen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was impressive. It was imp- I mean... <sighs> I, how do you put it? And I mean, they honoured Ric Flair so many times. <laughs> yeah, but come on now, come on now. Um, the uh, my thinking was, and I don't know. I've been tossing around this idea in my head today because I don't know whether I, I believe that it was conscious from Mudo, and if it is, I think it's one of the most ingenious and. I don't know if I'm projecting, 
this is what I'm saying. But here's what how I saw the match because I I was with you, Dave, talking about the like he doesn't have much left. He got very little left, and everyone knows that he's got he had to fucking go through a torn hamstring. Got a lot out. Of, they got a lot out of not much. Yes, and my thinking is we is Tetsuya Naito like is like let's put it this way he's not exactly got the greatest legs either. Yeah. So like. No, it was like a knee off. <clears throat> it was like, who, whose knee is going to buckle first? Oh, I mean, it's Naito wrestling with his future. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm going to be like in 20 years. But I don't know if he's got 20 years. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think he's got a little harder than that. And, but it was this sense of, it did something that I've never seen in pro wrestling. As a pro wrestling fan, right? There's two things that are important in this story. There's history. You mentioned it too, Red. History is so important. The My Way stuff, the telling of that story, the connection of all that New Japan history, the connection of Naito and Muto. I mean, that's a story that's, as I said, like the Stardust Genius, part of his development is Muto and losing to Muto, his hero at Wrestle Kingdom at the Dome and not getting, and like brushing him off, you know, not shaking his hand. Mm. Like the history of those characters is tied to this. Right, there's not an explicit story. We know Naito loves Muto. That's his. That's his idol. We know this. But that you bring that history into this match, just from a standpoint of this means a lot to Naito. Like you know, it's important to him, so he wants to get the best match out of him. Imagine the pressure that he's putting on himself to give Muto one great last match. There's no gimmickry involved in this. There's no. It's not great mood. We're not going to be able to do miss spots and shit. We're not going to be able to do any of that. We're going to have to wrestle for. They wrestle for thirty minutes. Like, so he's going into that with all of that history associated with it. What I was stunned by was Heiji Muto's, and I hope it was conscious. I'm, I may be projecting, but as pro wrestling fans, we understand how match constructions work. He knows that audience. They're the biggest marquee, you know, inside pro wrestling fans are there. They all know all the references. They know when he's doing the callback spots, when he's doing the Hashimoto spot, they get it. When he does the Masawa spot, they get it. He's calling back. They, they, they're popping for this. They understand the relationship to the history. When he goes for the first moonsault, right? He climbs to the top and he stops early in the match, right? He plants a seed from a pro wrestling construction that everyone knows what that means. He teases mm. the moonsault. He teases it. Naito moves. They get out of it. He kicks him down and goes. You know he's going back to it, mm. right? Because that's how pro wrestling works. That's how all us sickos are like, yes, he's going to do it. Everyone gets stuck. But we go through this battle as fans knowing if he goes for this, like, I don't know. Like, I, like he's, <laughs> he's not walking away. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be getting referenced soon in main event matches. If he goes for this, it's the end. In your head, you have this idea of what Muto is, and Muto is the moon soul. And in his head, that's what he is. And he's battling with the idea of who he is and who he has to be to beat Naito. He tries everything. He gives Naito multiple shining wizards. He gives him the figure four. The clear, these are the archetypal Muto finish top, like the moves. But the, the the big killer, the one that takes down the, the big game, is is the moonsault. And so he's battling with his idea of how do I beat this guy? I have to use this thing. And he goes for it again. And when he goes for it again, the camera is, I mean, Mudo is putting it on thick. 
camera goes straight to his face and he is contemplative and he is he is questioning it and he makes a conscious decision. I am not willing to do this. I will not give up my health to, to win a match to do that. He retired in that moment. That was the moment in which he quit. Mm. And he and he was but what was great? He was conscious and he was happy to do it. He chose to do it. He was content to do it. And he steps down, and that's when the flurry comes. Bang. Shining wizard back to him. Bang. Another one. Damn, bang, bang. Done. Finish. He conceded in the sense that he recognized that he could not be the KG Muto that he once was. And importantly, the crowd accepted that, mm. that they didn't want him to go for it. They didn't want him to kill himself for their entertainment. They wanted him to be happy and healthy, and they wanted him to retire. And he accepted that. And I thought that is a beautiful way to go out. It is the most content, like that is retirement. It is the ability to quit and be content with that decision. And if uh, he's going to ruin it by coming out of retirement, but in the moment he did that, it was, <laughs> I felt it was a perfect send off. And he come out of retirement five minutes later. <laughs> I'll get to that too, because I think that's, I think that went to the next level of awesome. Did, did you hear what happened in the backstage when he went for that moonsault and he decided not to? Uh, Finley was out the back and he's like, you had it. You fucking had it. And he was about to run out there and everything. Fuck and you had to hold him back. <laughs> you fucking had it. And you let it go. But that's, to me, I, I, I had to be conscious because there's no way you tease it and then go again and then choose to not do it. When he, when he was at the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom, he went to tease it and Tana had to come and tell him not to do it. This time there was no one telling him not to do it. He consciously made that decision, and to me, that was him recognizing his 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 like frailty, recognizing he is no longer the superhero, which he has said that a pro wrestler must be. And so, when he recognized that he did not have it, he conceded and and was was content. And I thought that is a that's a that's the right off in the sunset moment. That's the perfect way to go because now Naito can take you out, and Naito can do his stuff and. And you can say you're you're rightful to take this moving forward because you can bring all of yourself to the ring, which I can't do anymore. I, my my mind might be able to say I can, but my body doesn't. And I just felt like, yeah, I, as I was watching it, I just felt like that was such a beautiful way to tell that story. And I don't know whether I'm just projecting onto it, but that's how I I saw it. You know, no, I'd say Joshua Damas, you're pretty much spot on with that one. There was a a clear story that. Even the shots they were doing, it was like watching a movie. The the shots and everything they had put together, it was like watching this beautifully put together film. And I mean, I I didn't actually see it the way you did, but now you explain it. That is beautiful. That uh, is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Look, uh, if you're projecting, it's a poetic projection, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Because yeah. Because what it felt like was then it ends. Um, and we'll get to the we'll get to the okay, so we'll get to Karen's question um because it ends there. Um and Karen at Karen Murray underscore at Karen watches wrestling asked the question besides the J topic, which I thought we were fairly we 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 ditched Jay straight for Finley. We just yeah. just dumped into the side of the road. We, we went balls deep in Jay last week. In yeah, week. enough Jay yeah. talk. Yeah, we enough Jay talk. We're on to we're on to Finley. Um Fuck the era. Yeah, fuck his era. That's what we yeah, said. Fuck him. Get fuck out of his here. era. Get him out of here. You can go and join Mudo in retirement. 
besides the J topic, thoughts on if we'll ever see the LIJ roll call at the Tokyo Dome? Because we, to, for full disclosure, uh, we were like anticipating this. This was like a thing that we were hoping for. When Sonata turned up in the, the fucking penguin suit, when he yeah. was there in the tux, I was like, this is this is going to be a special night because he looked yeah. like he was ready to call the ruckus. Nasty, oh. nasty Naito and then spitting Naito. And I was like, oh, Josh, oh, oh, is it, is it going to happen? And look, it felt like... He's disrespecting Muto. Is it going to happen? The end of the match happens. Naito gets the the puts the the fist up and and Muto does the recognition and then Naito extends his hand and they shake so it's like that ends that story and then Muto and then Muto's like get the fuck out of my room <laughs> yeah no, 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 um, get, get the fuck out get the get the fuck out yeah it's the first time you've seen a guy sort of get ushered out of the ring to his own music it's like he's like yeah. it's like uh, yeah, it's like the dun 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 like he's like Moses like walking out for his thing. And it just off you go, and it was, and he looked confused. Let's not be let's let's, let's be <laughs> real. A bit confused. He looked a bit confused, a little bit pissed off. Um, they let him cut a promo at the back. <laughs> they actually cut to the back and let him cut his promo in the back area. So it felt like, and then and then in classic Noah, they they haven't missed a beat with production the whole time. They fucking cut the fucking roll call. Yeah. <laughs> And went back to a picture of the commentary. Yeah, like, incredibly like, just yeah. but look, maybe maybe there's a little bit more resentment there. It's like this those fucking Noah can't say they they knew what they were doing. <laughs> um so we didn't get the Naito roll call where it felt like the perfect moment to do it as the, they were all the boys were there, everyone was there. Yeah, it felt like we were setting up for it and we didn't get it. Will we, I guess Karen's asking, will we ever get it? I joked that we'll get it when at Nido's retirement show. I was going to say, Nido's retirement, <laughs> there'll be Sonata in the ring. Sorry, on, on the, you're doing, doing commentary and uh, he paradise locks him and walks yeah. off. Yeah. He's just stuck there with his ass up in the air. He's stuck there until, until the next time show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the question is, will we, will we ever see it? Will it ever happen? Will Nido get the full roll call? Or just a roll call in the dome. It has to happen. I mean, the the, the one time you're close to it, a Kenta came out and ruined it. He's lost every other time. Uh yeah, of course. We're definitely going to get Naito having because that's that's the story. That's that's what what's what we want to. That's what I want to see. I want to stop saying we. It's what I want to see. Um, I want to see him go. Uh, no longer Bushi. Uh, I want to see him go. Um, Shingo Nakajima. John Cena, um, you know, just go, just do the whole roll call. But but it'll be a different Lij by the time he does that because it's probably going to be in like fifty years. Let's be honest. <laughs> there's more. There's more domes in the past than there are in the future. I think for Nido. So, who? I mean, who knows? But I'll never write him out. Like I never nah, count him you out. You can't. You, you can't. I think. I don't, think, I don't think they'll do Nido dirty. It, I mean, fuck, a lot can happen. He got the main event. He won the main event and didn't... Did, didn't did he get the main event, though? Because the main event's the match that goes on last. So, yeah. did he? <laughs> he lost the main, didn't get the main <laughs> event either. Oh, fuck. Who knows, man? It would be really cool to see I... Uh, 
I mean, if it's not this year because it's Will's year, then it pushes it to next year. Who? I don't know. Why can't it be like the year Tana beat Omega? The last, the last shot of the great, of the great gunslinger. You know that last, because Tana won it and then lost like two months later. If Will is to win it, let's say if Will's to win it, Naito versus chasing down Will Ospreay to do that and winning it at the thing, or like Naito versus Shingo, you know, like something like yeah. that, where he actually wrestling another LIJ guy, a roll call where he beats the guy and then does it. Yeah. Like, but it feels to me like that will be the roll call will be his his send off. Like his like the the moment where when when Tana won that G one and went to the went to the dome and won the title. We all felt like that was the last time. Mm. It all felt like that because remember, people like we knew Omega was on the outs. Like we felt that was happening, and and people were cheering. It's like no, this is this is Tana's this is Tana's time to reaffirm New Japan and reaffirm his place and to take that last that last swan song, that last great moment. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, he conquered Abushi in the G one, and he conquers the other gold lover. You know, like that was, yeah, it was beautiful in that sense. And you knew it wasn't going to last forever because it wasn't about him getting a big title reign. It was about him getting that moment. Getting that moment, yeah. And it feels like that's what Naito will get. Yeah, I would be, I would be cool with that. I think, you know, we all talk about Naito's body, and sometimes. You know, you're looking at oh fuck he's but then hmm. but then G one comes around, he always does the not gonna win a couple of matches in the beginning, goes on a fucking run at the hmm. end, gets a story for Wrestle Kingdom. Hmm. So Well this year he had two like he had two elite, elite matches with Osprey. Yeah. So he's still got plenty. And like the New Japan schedule benefits him like he gets breaks <laughs> yeah if he yeah he needs to take him it's fucking yeah. working fantastic at mania the lunatic it, it won't it won't be this year because this is going to be the year of the story of sonata leaving lij which i personally think would probably lead towards a, a match at wrestle kingdom between probably the two. yeah um most likely for the recently brought back Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> okay. You're, you're doing so well if you conspiracy there, Red, and then you just veered. Here's the thing, Red. Are you trying to you're trying to you're trying to undercut, but your your first suggestion is probably pretty close to being accurate. I would not be surprised if Nido Sonata is the direction, yeah. But I, I think in probably I'd say seven years' time, we're gonna get this Nido LIJ roll call and Nido has said he wanted to retire at 40. He's already 40. So mm. it's we don't know how long he's got, but I feel like that's the that's the play, man. It's right off in the sunset. And if we never get it, it's like it's like we never got the J baby face run. There's like Gato is like fucking just just ruining some of the key things that could have been um if we never get it, Kento will go down as one of the biggest cunts in the history of New Japan yeah. wrestling. Um and the pandemic, because it may, uh, yeah, and the pandemic, it may have happened during that period had we uh, not had that. But you know, he was snake bitten. I, I felt so bad for him because his title, his like, 
he drew 70,000 for that double dome. He drew a sellout at, you know, at Budokan a month later. He yeah. was so hot and the pandemic, and this is post the elite. Like, I know the revisionists will say that all elite was cut. Like, it was not happening. This was 2020. New Japan did its biggest business ever. Like, it was growing. It was, it was on the back of Naito. And then he gets hampered by this thing where they completely shut down. And he gets, and he's just seen as this guy that's like, oh, he, you know, they look at him like he's diesel or something, you know, like it was really unfair. And I felt great for him to get this spot against Mudo because Mudo said, like, I love to, I love Keiji Mudo because I love his honesty. He's a, he's a carny, he lies, but he tells the truth in his lies, you know, like he can tell what he means. And he's like, oh, yeah, I picked him because, you know, he's, he's like this star and he's like this guy that's got connections and that sort of stuff. Um, but I also realized he's the most popular wrestler and it would mean more tickets. <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's what <laughs> said that. Like I'm making, cause everyone knows Mudo's making money off this show. So it's like, I, I need to be, get the biggest draw I can get. And yeah. Naito's the biggest draw I can get. He's probably getting pay-per-view points as well. He is a hundred percent. He is. Yeah. That's he's getting everything off of this. It's like, he's making bank off of this show. And the, but that's what I said. Like night, and and he said he said Nino drew five thousand tickets the next day, five thousand off the back of that announcement, and he's like, that's for me. The West has always been down on Nido in terms of his capacity to draw, and I've always thought it's dumbest yeah. and most like, are you have you got no eyes? Are you not looking at the crowd? Are you not listening to the crowd? Yeah. But he this goes on his resume again. He drew thirty thousand in the dome. Yes, Mudo drew the big house, but he's on top two, so that that's part of his. Part of his legacy that you know that he he was able to, he's drawn some of the biggest houses in New Japan in, Jap- in Japanese pro wrestling in the modern era, and he's driven some of the the, the biggest and most um, I would say compelling storylines in I mean the dude literally brought New Japan to the eyes of so many people with his you know when he, his return with the ungovernable you know like that entire storyline is still in my opinion the most significant, the most important, yeah. uh, the best full stop, like his treatment of the belts and everything, just the way he threw them around. Uh, you know, just, I would say Naito, if anything, is probably the most important member of that locker room right now. Yeah. The way, the way I'd phrase it read is that, um, Okada Tanahashi's rivalry was bird magic. Naito was Jordan. That, the Akata Tanahashi rivalry saved New Japan and built it to the level where it got to that point, the same way Bird Magic rivalry saved the NBA, built it to where it was. And the transcendent star emerged on the back of that foundation that they built and took it to that next level. And that's what he was. That's what he represented. Um, also and- amazing too, when you think about it, like the amount, what, how, what he's been able to do as far as, you know, you're talking about his ability to draw when he's not been positioned as the ace. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of cool? He's the broken ace, but mm. yeah, he's not he's not the face of the company that's been Tana or it's been Okada. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucking fascinating. It's an amazing position. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's never been they they don't love him like that, but the, because of that, the fans love him like that. And that's yeah. he's the people's ace. And mm. I think that that has always been and Muto recognized it. And said, "All right, that's what we're going to do." And when given the option, that's who he picked. And um, I think it's a it was a it was the right call. And 
Yeah, I, I said, and fans are so connected to him. They're just so connected, invested to him. So, um, and it's kind of ironic because I would argue that to finish off this incredibly long discussion, one of I think one of our greatest podcasts. It's been a mass. It's a monument. We we should have intermissions. Um, we'll build it in, in sections like Mudo does. Chono is a really great comparison. You know, like the to Naito. You know, in this guy that's just was never the guy, was never positioned as the guy, but was always like the guy. Like people were like, that's the guy, the multiple G1 winner, but very rarely world champion Masahiro Chono, the the third of the Musketeers. But to me, was always the guy that he was the most indelible Musketeer for me because he was the one I watched the most in WCW. Yeah. Um, to see him come out was, as you said, Dave, you immediately, you, your ears pricked up. I'm like, ooh, what's happening here? <laughs> but I feel like the work was on from the get-go because he was selling that cane like it was going out of fashion. Like it was like wasn't he just he yeah. was looked like he could barely move when it's like had the wobbly lip going on. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was like he looked up like I've seen Chono do commentary for New Japan, but he never looked like that. He never <laughs> looked that that uh you know like uh debilitated. So they're obviously at the end of the match, as we said, Nido gets shit canned out of it. Mudo starts talking, and then identifies Chono. And for people out there, this is this is what I love. I said history matters. History matters so much. It's such a key driving factor because the, we know the Three Musketeers story. It's one of the most common. You know, it's one of those few stories that most New Japan fans, even casual fans, have some idea of, like the the general story of like the history. I mean, if you if you're listening to Eddie Kingston's promo press conference before the battle in the uh, the valley he gave you the description of how that that was passed down which i loved yeah, and that, and that's this distinguishable difference like, over like history compared to nostalgia mm-hmm. yes yeah we're not trying to recreate that what we're trying to do is respect that and bring it to inform what our behavior is in the contemporary and so mudo's first match is chona as young boys his first match, mm. his last match is Chono, and he wants it to be Chono. Never got a retirement match, never got a send off, a formal send off. And as Mudo said, uh, Hashimoto never got a formal send off, like Masawa never got a formal send off. And it was like, we have to, res- we have to, while we're here, we have to respect that. And I was like, holy fucking shit, I was losing my mind because I'm like, they're not. Like they're not doing this. Like they're not doing this because they, they're like Tiger Tori, you're here, and Tiger's like chuckling, like ha ha yeah. He he retired. He is yeah retired. yeah that's right yeah yeah. They did the whole thing. They fucking yeah, threw him yeah, in the yeah. air and everything. The boy, Fuck he yeah, just... that's right. Remember, yeah. It's uh, I mean, I, I was actually in dismay. I'm like, it's classic. They're just stealing WWE's storyline, end of an era with Undertaker <laughs> and Triple H when they're all there with Shawn Michaels after the Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. Yeah. I was just like, they are copying them, you sons of a bitch. That, that's why I say, like, the connection to history means something beyond just we're telling you it's important. People knew yeah. that was important. And it was stunning because Mudo's giving that. I was I was legitimately flawed because it's like he said, this is my show. This is my showcase. This is all about me. And the last two years of Mudo's booking has been all about him. For him to get to the finish line... And as I said, I liked, I choose to believe the poetic finish because the level of self-reflection that must have gone through him led to him basically saying, get up here, Chono. Let's both go out together. 
and I want to give you that spot to be the one to finish me. And like that, what I loved about it is Chono fucking gets in, slowly gets up there, you know, and it's all look, everyone's looking confused. He fucking throws the cane and then starts like just instantly like transforms into Masahiro Chono. Like, just like, <laughs> like just he's right. he it. It's the cleanest shining wizard of yeah. the entire time. Of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> and it's like, and then in he goes, locks you in, does what Naito couldn't do, taps out Mudo. Like, <laughs> it's like, fucking Chono. Uh, squash match. <laughs> Absolutely squashed him. They're building towards something bigger with those two. Naito versus Chono at the dome. <laughs> yeah. New Japan, New Japan does Chono's retirement. But it felt... Like I said, the level of reverence they had, and it was just a feel-good moment. I was, I was scared because I was so excited, but then I was, the realization was settling in. Like they just had a like a like, you're not going to give matches stars for like Noah, like for for Mudo versus Naito. Like it is what it is. But in terms of emotion and like investment, I'm going to yeah. remember that match. Like that felt the feeling. Or they told, yeah, it's fucking it was yeah, great. It's heart, yeah. And the look on Naito's face when he's bleeding and he's looking down, realizing what he had, the, the enormity of what he's just done in terms of finishing this guy. Um, like that's the sort of, that's indelible stuff. That's stuff that's going to stick with him. And that's stuff that, that is so special to everyone that was there. Like that would have been an amazing feeling that, that them sticking the landing. Like it was like the show was so good, but it was all built around this, this one match that had to, like if it, they come out and shit the bed, as you always say, Dave, like the main event is ultimately, the arbiter of the success of the show. And this show was going so great that it was like, oh my God, but we know we've got 60 year old Mudo to come out here. <laughs> and it's like, if they shit the bed, like the perform, and then, and then the pageantry and the, 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 the amazing entrances, as you said, the packages, everything's like, this is elite. If they shit the bed, like it was keep, that was just raising it up to be undercut by, you know, Muto t- tearing both fucking hamstrings again. And like, Happened to be wheeled out again, like it was. It was the last match he had with Darby Allen and them. Like, I don't want that to be the legacy. The way I remember Muto, I want it to be at least passable and serviceable. But not only that, we got something great, and a, and a, a chapter to the the final chapter for Muto, and a, a really strong chapter in the story of Naito. And I'm like, awesome, great night. If we got a roll call, it would have been even better, and he could have tied Muto in. He could, it would have been awesome. But Muda decided we're going to do something else. I was like, oh, no, we just stuck the landing and he wants to take off again. Like, it's like. <laughs> How much longer are we going? How big is this ego? Yeah. And then it's like, it's going to be Chono and him are going to actually wrestle. It was like that time when when Subata just shot the angle that he was going to wrestle Narita and just decided yeah, they were yeah. going to do it. And everyone went, oh, fucking took a deep breath. Yeah. The air out of the room, <laughs> and it was clear that, that that there's only like two or three people that know this is happening. Like everyone else is like in utter disbelief. Fucking, it was hilarious looking at Ricky Choshu just cacking himself at the prospect of what was happening. <laughs> he was like, "This is going to be great." Hey, Tanahashi, Tanahashi was just like, <laughs> "Yeah," it was like, "Well, because you can imagine what they're feeling in that context." Like these are like Masahiro Chono is like like I can't stress the legend of the like that yeah. guy and what he represents as the like the coolest fucking dude on the planet and he's stepping up there and they're like is he able to do it and they and in the back of people's heads in the back of my head is I just don't want to tarnish a legacy like I have a memory of who you are yeah. and like don't go out and fucking Rick Flair it you know like yeah and, please don't do that yeah. yeah and so not only did they not 
it was like it just added to the thing. It's also like, like how the fuck did you pull that off? Yeah, they shouldn't have been able to do it. How the no. fuck? Like, did was Chono training for months to get prepared for this? Like, did he? <laughs> was this like the prestige where he was like selling us all on this thing? Have they been doing it for nine years? Is this the long con? Have we been waiting for Chono for this moment <laughs> to reveal that he's actually his knees are fucking great and he's ready to go? Like it. Came out of nowhere when he, like I said, when he dropped it and he did the, the classic Chono little shuffle he does from the corner. I was like, "This is, this is, this is like he's just been like, is he on some sort of?" Oh, like, dude, he, he went, he went to, yeah, he went to Panama and said, "Give me all the stem cells." <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it, it was turning back the clock. I've seen photos of him. He looks like he's back in his prime. It was incredible and. It just left the night feeling like the idea of love. And then when they finally, you know, he finally bows out when, you know, he finally gets the big, and they do the big mudo in the spotlight and they, but they cut the final shot and the shot is of the build, the huge Tokyo Dome billboards having Hashimoto, Masao and Mudo, like this idea yeah. of the, that the, everyone's getting their retirement. And he uses opportunity to retire everybody, but all of them are getting recognized. I thought, thinly remind us, you know, it was the end of the switchblade era, but this was like this was the true end of like the Enoki Barber era, like the era of that of that of those legends is that's it, it's done, you know. And now we're on to you know the next level of those guys, but that direct contact, you know, that direct legacy of passing of the torch is is over. And it just was like the enormity of that hit and that Muto, like I went in thinking this is the end of Muto. And at the end of it, I was like, this is the end of like that golden era of New Japan pro wrestling, of of like of New Japan or Japan. You know, it sort of like felt like it was the end of that. And what was beautiful was he used the opportunity to rebirth it. You know, yeah. to rebirth that story of when those guys went off and created their own things and did their own things and built these places and the hope of what it could be, you know, what it what wrestling could be if they all came together again. And I thought, what a poetic way to go out. I was stunned by it. You can say all you want to say about, oh, you know, forbidden doors and stuff. Like, that's that's the open door. Like, yeah. it's just Japan is open and Muto, you know, has fucking forgotten to close it on the way out, you know? So I thought it was a just an incredible finish. I was stunned by the show. Stunned by it. I was like. Yeah, I I said Noah's got the show of the year so far, and someone's gonna have to figure out how to beat it. Mito's open door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch him wheel his way back through it. I can always jump back. 